Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. Hello everybody, it's Wednesday, March 27th, 2013, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm in the house with Steve Say. Hi. And Mr. Bob Ryer. Good evening. All right, so we are down at Stephanie once again. The famous Desk 1020 was supposed to join us tonight, <laughs> but he had to cancel the last minute, so we are a, a three, a triumvirate once again. Hmm. Um, to start out, before we get to anything... We have to say happy birthday to Mr. Bob Ryer. Oh, thank you very happy much. Happy birthday, Bob. Um, 21 years old this year. Yeah, it's the, we won't say what anniversary of my <laughs> 21st birthday it is. Um, It'll come up later. Uh, and, uh, you know, because we're a website, I put, we put out the call on Twitter and on Facebook for uh, some happy birthday wishes to Mr. Ryer. And we got quite mm-hmm. a few back. So from Christian, we have happy birthday, Mr. Bob Ryer. You've been, a, you've been great for me in my return to comics with your recommendations and insights. Keep up the awesome work, and I hope you enjoyed your birthday. Uh, Rich Wyman says, Bob needs a Twitter account so we can inform, <laughs> him, we can inform him of his awesomeness every day. Uh-huh. Happy birthday, Bob. Um, from Boy Ackerman, it says, happy birthday, Bob. Uh, from Evan, uh, he says, you have one of the most comforting, friendly voices I've ever heard. Hope you have a good one. <laughs> Uh, Luke uh, uh, H says happy birthday Bob uh, Joshua also says happy birthday um, Brian Frederick says happy birthday Bob you are an original um, uh, dear friend of the show and writer and contributor to our site uh, and former uh, co-host on the show Melissa Megan says dear Bob heart from me Oh. Um, we have Steve Atkins says happy birthday Bob I enjoy your show um, <laughs> hey I took over that's pretty good uh uh, our buddy uh, Rep Stones, Patrick, uh, on Twitter says, Happy birthday, Bob. Go easy on the cake and heavy on the wine. You're a TC's MVP and a true comics Yoda. Um, well, we've already started with cake. And we had, the wine has been opened. So. It's true. Uh, from Harry, a uh, friend of the show, Harry Jackson says, Happy birthday, Bob. Hope it is fantastic. Don't let Hello. little Audrey <laughs> steal all of your cake. Um, this, uh, from Matt Rick Callwalter on t- on Twitter, happy birthday, Bob. Um, friend of the show, Lauren Collings says, happy birthday, Bob. In the last year, you have brought me so much joy, comics, and yummy cheesecake. Uh, you also got happy birthday from uh, Ryan Carroll. Uh, Hugh Perry says, happy birthday, Bob. May the multiverse bring 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 you tidings of joy and cake. All right, from Superbad Larry, says, Happy B-Day, Bob. It's nice to listen to someone who has read more comics than me for a change. May you ha- read many, many more. Hashtag high five. Um, and uh, Clinton Barton, at HawkeyeBro2H, <laughs> says, Happy birthday to the man with Jenny in his head. Um, and, of course, uh, first to bring the tidings, uh, at I Am Giant Woman says, 
Hey, Talking Comics, would you please wish the lovely Mr. Bob Ryer a belated happy birthday from his fans on this side of the pond. Cheers, guys. Well, so, Thank you to everybody. That is, that is truly special. I'm and well, you tough. deserve it, Bob. You yes. deserve every all the accolades Indeed. that you get. Um, so we're past the, now. We're get past all the cushy, nice stuff for the show. Now we can yell at each other. Yeah, we can yell at each other. Um, <laughs> so we had a, a lot of news happened pretty much on Wednesday because that always what seems to happen. Make sure that it happens the day after we record, so that we can't talk about it till the week after. Um, the the first of the news obviously was two rather large. Uh, departures from books at, over at DC. Um, one of which Andy Diggle leaving action comics has kind of spurred on uh, our topic of the week, uh, which is we're going to be talking about, you know, what would be our, our, the creative team we want to take over Superman and what direction we want the character to take. Um, and we put the call on Twitter and Facebook and got a lot of really good responses from listeners as well about teams they would like. And also, you know, what they would like to see from the book going forward. Um, so we're going to get to that story later on. Uh, the other departure, obviously, is Joshua Helfialkov, who a lot of people know from writing I, Vampire, uh, was supposed to take over Green Lantern Corps and uh, Red Lanterns. And on Wednesday, basically an hour after the Andy Diggle announcement happened, it broke that Fialkov was leaving um, uh, the, those Green Lantern books, and it was over Creative Difference. And later on, uh, uh, a rumor leaked out, which both comic book resources and Bleeding Cool reported as confirmed from inside sources, that the reason he left was because uh, DC had planned to kill off uh, John Stewart, who obviously is um, the uh, African-American uh, Green Lantern. Um, and because of that, we do want to do a show about diversity uh, in comics. Uh, unfortunately, Steve, Bob, and myself are three white dudes, and so, <laughs> so diver- I was talking about diversity. I mean, there's obviously things we'd like to see, and we obviously have, you know, we're we're pretty sensitive to those issues. But it's not the same as having somebody here who who can really speak yes. to it, because you know there are plenty of characters in these books that represent us, and th- that the other side of the coin is what we we want to get to, and uh, you know that it's race, uh, uh, you know, uh, gender, uh, sexual orientation, all of those things I think need to be represented, and we want to put together a good show for you guys. Uh, where we can speak with authority about that stuff. And again, uh, you know, our listeners and, and readers and fans give us a lot of great suggestions of people to go after, and we're definitely going to look to that. So, you know, it's, we're going to take as long as it takes to get it together, much like we did the, the Women in Comics thing. I would rather it be a great show than us just strike while the iron is hot. Um, I don't want to ignore the news, though. So, I mean, Bob, what do you, first of all, I mean, what do you think of a writer leaving a book like this. And also then you can talk about the, the fact that John Stewart. Sure. Uh, there seems to be something going on at DC mm-hmm. of late with all these comings and goings. Mm-hmm. Uh, are they changing what they started out this new 52 to be? Is that what's going on? What what's bubbling underneath that we're not hearing about? Uh, if he's standing up for his convictions and leaving because he thinks it's the wrong thing to do because of a lack of, diversity within their books then it's certainly the right thing to do and he'll find work with them mm-hmm. instantly i'm sure yeah uh you know john stewart his history with this character goes back a long way i mean we're talking 40 years he's been around you know since uh, o'neill and adams brought him on on board as hal's replacement then uh 
to a lot of people, he's Green Lantern from the Justice League cartoons. Yeah, for me, I didn't I didn't know there wasn't a Green Lantern until I was an adult. Yeah. You know, that's who I always thought was the Green Lantern was John Stewart. Now, the, the funniest thing, or and mo- most poignant, was when they talked to Phil Lamar, who did the voice on yeah. the cartoons, mm-hmm. and he said, and he's a comic book guy. It's I understand about marketing and, and mm. characters and all the rest of it, but you know, just be our luck that John Stewart will be the one guy that stays dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that if you guys haven't seen that Phil Lamar quote, I mean, I saw it on on CBR, um, and so I, you know, I don't know exactly. The link. I can put the link in in the show notes here. Um, very interesting uh, stuff that he said, and I didn't realize that he was such a big comic fan because he spoke very, very well about comic books in general. Um, Steve, what do you think of this news? Uh, I think it would be a mistake to get rid of the character. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that it's yet another. Another moment in recent DC uh, news going on that uh, just raises a lot of eyebrows, a lot of questions as to how they're approaching their audience and how they're approaching their characters. And, uh, you know, not to bash them and not to say that they're not doing some truly amazing things with some of their books, Mm -hmm. but in the same regard, they're doing some truly questionable things with others. And it's stuff that I personally, you know, speaking only for myself, have to wonder uh, that, you know, I'm driving around in the car just aimlessly, like, you know, thinking (laughs) away while listening to music. And I I heard this news and I thought about it. I'm like, you know, how many more stories are we going to hear about people leaving books, um, sub-labels of theirs uh, dividing and characters disappearing, especially when you've got such a small amount of of diverse characters uh to choose from and please don't flame me with a whole bunch of character names <laughs> that uh it just it just it it, it yells publicity mm-hmm. to me um in a way I, I i just i don't i don't agree i don't agree with a lot of the news that's coming out uh from dc lately mm. and to be clear dc then came out and said that this was this was that was not the reason why he left um to amount of that's true, we do not know. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as much as Bleeding Cool is known to report things without really having any sources, CBR is less known to do those things. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So it very well could be true. It could not be true. It could they could have heard it from somebody high up who thought he knew what he was talking about and didn't. Um, you know, my main issue is look. If, if I don't want to see him kill off a character just to kill off a character, if 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 they had a if there was a great story that called for his death, that's another thing because. Sometimes stories call for characters to die if they're really going to execute themselves properly. Um, it, it, my problem is is more in the way they've been handling themselves in, in a corporate structure, you know. And the fact that these people are being announced and then walking off after they've been announced on the books without an issue even coming out, without an issue even coming out, it, it just it's very strange. And I want, I want, I was really looking forward to seeing. Fial- I don't want to keep this all negative. I was really looking forward to seeing Fialkov on these books. I think he's a really yeah. good writer, you know, and. Um, he, he's taken, you know, he took a character in Alpha who I, I don't even love that book, but he's made that character infinitely more likable than he was when he premiered in Amazing Spider-Man. So to see him work with characters that I really like, I, I was very excited for that. And I'm I'm sad that he's not going to be on the book. Um, the thing that Phil Lamar said, by the way, was, this is tricky because it plays on two things in comic books that I feel strongly about. I think that for comic book stories to maintain their vibrancy, the artists and writers cannot be slaves to continuity or fanboy conservatism. On the other hand, black characters have such a, such a history of being treated shabbily that my first thought was, watch, John will be the one guy who stays dead. Um, and I, and it's a great comic because it, 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 he's absolutely right. You know, it, it's 
if this was coming from a creative place, if Joshua Falk, you know, if Joshua Falcon was like, I, I want to kill John Stewart, I have this amazing story, um, and DC wouldn't let him do it, that's one thing, but it seems like it was the other way around. It seems like Fialco pitched a story, and then DC was like, no, no, we want, we ch- changed the direction, we want to, we want to kill this character off. Um, and it just, it seems, it just seems odd, you know, um, for that to happen coming from, you know, uh, a higher up situation. And maybe that's common in comic books. Maybe it is. And I'm sure it is, but I would assume those conversations would happen at the outset of bringing new writers on when they pitched, you know, and that's kind of what Falcoff said. He's, you know, the story I pitched and was writing, they abandoned at the last minute. So, um, the replacements, um, now, uh, uh, Robert, uh, Vendetti, who's doing the main book is going to be co-plotting with Van Jensen on Green Lantern Corps. Um, and Charles Soule, who is doing the new Swamp Thing writer, is taking over Red Lanterns. Hmm. So, you know, we we could still... and Apparently, we're not getting the death of Jon Stewart now. That, that is off the table. And if anything else, at least this probably saved that from happening. Mm-hmm. Which is nice. It, it's, it's a shame. It's a shame that we're talking about this. Like, we should be talking about... John's leaving and these new people coming in and, and the exciting new direction the books could take. Instead, we're talking about so there's nothing to do with the writing we're talk, or, the, or the art. We're talking about corporate shenanigans, yeah. you know? Which has been a, a topic since the whole Gail Simone fiasco. Yeah. That whether it was uh, Vertigo losing their editor for mm-hmm. yeah. 25 years and so on, so on, so I'm, forth. Uh, someone needs to take the reins over there. Well, I mean, that's my that's my my point from earlier. I think I went off a little, on a little bit of a tangent, but I just feel like lately, you know, like I don't hear too much or really anything from like the image side of things where you hear stories from their company or, you know, I mean, stuff goes on with Marvel, but it just seems like every so often I'm like there's no more news coming from the DC end of things and mm-hmm. I'm just like, well, here we go again. Yeah. Here's another, you know, another hot button news story. Mm-hmm. And it's a shame because it it promotes a uh you can't be confident about these things that you're excited mm-hmm. about anymore from them. Yeah. And I'm sure that stuff like this happens at Marvel probably all of the time. They're just they've gotten they're just much better at keeping it under wraps you, mm-hmm. you know what i mean um, i mean there was a big they had a fallout with Rucka, uh you know at the end of this punisher run they wanted they wanted him off that book because they and, and stuff happened went down there so um you know they're not their corporate structure is not innocent of doing things wrong with people i mean bob has complained many times about decisions they have made yeah. over the years um, they they tend to keep it in the clubhouse more to use a sports analogy. Yeah. The, the, this is yeah. leaking all over the place. Yeah, absolutely. There's a mole there, maybe. Yeah, that, that's that's what it seems. Um, I mean, you know, that's an unfortunate thing. Um, There's also a weird thing happened where the writer of Supergirl, Mike Johnson, he also have two more issues of the book. The book came out this past week. His name was on the cover, hmm. but it's not in the credits on the inside of the book. <laughs> so he's not writing these last two issues. Um, and then it's the new writer is taking well, over anyway. So apparently he walked off the book um, for the last two issues. We don't know why. That That's a good one. Um, I think on Bleeding Cooley wrote, you know, what if Mike Johnson walked off Supergirl and nobody noticed? Uh, and that's kind of what happened. So it's just a, a lot of odd things happening there creatively. And, and you know, who knows? This stuff that they're doing in the, in the scene that's giving them bad PR right now might equal good story stuff in the future. And in the end, that's all I really care about is... It's just this stuff makes us talk about stuff that has nothing to do with the people working on the books. And I, that stuff is that gets mm-hmm. gets an, annoying a little bit because you want to talk about the work. You don't want to talk about the, the machinations and stuff. 
a good thing that happened, though, a really cool thing, was that DC announced another digital first comic, and it's uh, called Batman 66, and it's based on the uh, Adam West, Burt Ward uh, TV show universe. Uh, it's being uh, written by Jeff Parker, who uh, does Red Shield, and uh, for until with two more issues, Dark, Dark Avengers. Avengers. Dark Avengers. Um, with covers uh, by uh, Mike Allred is doing the covers for them. Nice. Uh, and I can't find the like the artist's name right here. I got, I'm going to have to look it up uh, real quick. I wrote it. Uh, Jonathan Case. Jonathan Case, who is apparently an Eisner award-winning uh, uh, artist. Uh, what do you think about this? I'm annoyed that it's digital only. I'm going to have to wait months and months to see the thing. Well, they collected it just like they do with the Smallville yeah. and those things. They're going to collect them every month into 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 collected no, volume. I'm reading a lot about this. They're using the the TV villains. Plus, they're going to add Killer Croc and a few mm-hmm. other things they're going to have here. You're going to get both Eartha Kid and Julie Newmar Catwoman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, try, he said, you'll hear Adam West's voice. He's working very hard to <laughs> make sure it's that, but that... Now you can do something that they couldn't have done on the show. We can do stunts that they couldn't have accomplished. We have a budget yeah. that's off the charts. Yeah. You can do whatever they want. Uh, it's just a brilliant idea, and it should have happened a long, long time ago, yeah. you think. It's, uh, it's interesting, and the art looks great. Like The, the images they've released look amazing. It, it's, it's nice because... And the excitement for this announcement, I, I think it's interesting because it's very excited, A, because of nostalgia, and B, because... It seems like so much, it's gonna be so much fun, you know, and I think people are very excited by that. I mean, Steve, what do you think about this? Um, I'm down for anything, Batman, especially if they're gonna be gearing it towards the uh, Adam West and Burt Ward days. I grew up on that show, watching it back to back every afternoon. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're gonna throw some other villains in there that might not have appeared in the show, yep. but have apply that same level of humor and camp and and things like that. Then absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I'll have to read it in print. I don't know that I'll that I'll buy it digitally, mm-hmm. but I am definitely, definitely looking forward to that. This is the first I'm hearing of it, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's exciting, Bobby. And you also wonder if the the thaw has begun in the Cold War between Fox and Warner's about this property. Will DVDs and Blu-rays mm-hmm. be too far behind? I don't. I wouldn't think so. Uh, they're releasing a lot of toys and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Batusi. Uh, toy and stuff so yeah uh i mean i'm incredibly excited that all red is doing the covers that's gonna be yeah. that's, that's like a dream right there um having mike all red do a 60s inspired <laughs> batman cover uh so that is um yeah that's awesome um a- another announcement this is out of marvel now and it's funny because it's an announcement that i don't it doesn't really mean anything to me but i mean part of it means something to me so it was announced i guess it was kind of leaked and then announced that uh, Neil Gaiman is coming back uh, to work at Marvel, and he's going to be co-scripting uh, Age of Ultron number ten, and also Guardians of the Galaxy number five. Um, it's the first time he's done work at Marvel, and I think oh, close to ten years. I think sixteen oh two was the last thing that he did uh, at the company. So it's giant news that he's coming back, and it's incredibly exciting. Um, the reason that he's coming back is because Marvel is introducing a character named Angela into the Marvel Universe, who was a character that Gaiman co-created with Todd McFarlane in, on, in Spawn for Image. Um, they had a, apparently a contentious legal battle for many, many years, uh, but it has been settled, and kind of the... Um, 
the the belief is that the battle was much more actually over Miracle Man than it was over mm-hmm. Angela. Um, and Tom McFarlane spoke about this. Um, well, actually, we had some we had a, some reaction to it, uh, and oh. for by listeners. And Leonardo Nieves says, uh, uh, "I agree with a lot of Eric Larson's response on the image boards. Marvel's forgetting a couple things. First, it's not 1993." And second, nobody gives a crap about Angela if she's not being drawn by Todd McFarlane and she's not hunting spawns. Remember when Marvel bought Marvel Man and everybody went ape shit for his triumphant return? Neither do I. To no surprise, when you take away everything about a character that made them fresh, cool, and exciting, they're no longer fresh, cool, and exciting. Um, he says maybe they should arrange to have the Wildcats drop by too, uh, <laughs> not drawn by Jim Lee, and published in a year other than 1992. Um you know, and he was wondering, how does Neil or Marvel come out of this looking good? How do they spin this as a genuinely good creative idea and not have it look as though they're just trying to uh, you know, kind of stick it to Todd McFarlane? Um, and on the Facebook post, uh, Christian, who is a you know frequent commenter, says, Angela was both the creation of Gaiman and McFarlane. They both own the rights to the character and privately settled the manner after a federal court said they both had equal rights to the character. And to that thing, um, Todd McFarlane spoke today about the thing and he says uh, to newsarama and he says neil gaiman and i had a resolution in our legal dispute and as part of that he ended up with the rights of angela um wh- whatever neil chooses to do with something that he owns is at, at his complete and utter discretion and he went on to say good stories that entertain are something that we should all applaud on any level whether you're whether we're doing it directly at image comics or at our competition it helps keep our industry that we love alive i will sit back and be as interested as anyone else very mature. Very, very mature. I mean, well, he's got to be like 50 now, right? So. Yeah, well, it doesn't mean he needs to be mature. <laughs> it's true. Um, Maybe he'll reprint issue number nine now, which he hasn't now for years. Because oh, really? Because that's where the character was created. Oh, really? It's, wow. It's, it's been in limbo for years. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, one of the other characters, or some of the other characters they co-created, uh, Neil won the lawsuit, I think it was three years ago. Mm. And they split that one 50 It's Dark Ages Spawn or one of the okay. other ones. And Neil was donating all that money to charity. All right. Well, so you figured well, that wasn't the issue anyway. It yeah, was, it was who owned the thing. Mm-hmm. I'm only vaguely familiar with Angela. Yeah, if he owns it, he can use it where it wants. Uh, Marvel Man, which is the real name of the character, has a yeah. really bizarre history. It's Captain Marvel. It's Shazam. Mm-hmm. Captain Marvel was being published in England. DC beat Fawcett in the lawsuit over Captain Marvel being a copy of Superman. They wanted to keep the book going. Changed his origin. Turned him into Marvel Man. His secret word now is, oh, I can't even say it. It's atomic pronounced backwards, so it's Kimoda. <laughs> and it was Marvel Man and Marvel Man Jr. and mm. Marvel Girl or whatever it was. And then Marvel actually bought the rights from the guy who did it in the 50s and 60s, I don't know, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's been hanging around forever. They want him. I, I think that would be the, your big cosmic announcement if you could in yeah. Neil doing... Yeah. Well, there is Guardians, but it's more famous for Alan Moore doing it lately than anybody else. Yeah, there is buzz that this whole thing is about Gaiman. He's going to write a Marvel, Marvel Man slash Miracle Man series for Marvel. I mean, obviously, Steve, I know that you didn't read Spawn. I didn't read Spawn. I don't know who Angela is. I don't know her from a hole in the wall. But are you excited that Neil Gaiman's going to be writing Marvel comic books? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I love that man. I do. I he's one of my favorite writers Mm -hmm. of all time. And I mean, why not? You know, it's his, it's, you know, they said it's his character. Mm -hmm. He can do what he wants. I am not one to complain about, you know, Neil Gaiman doing anything comic book related. (laughs) 
So whether I know the character or not, introduce yeah. me to her all over again, you know? Mm-hmm. Give me a new a, a new female character that kicks ass. I'm down yeah. for that. And I think that's a thing, too. I think this announcement means different things to different people. I think people who were very into that era of, of Image Comics, the Spawn stuff, I think... I think that's the reason why like, something like I don't know if Learno was or not, but it seems like he knows he's familiar from that mm-hmm. time, and there's a certain connection to those characters from that time, and I I don't have that connection. So to me, the real announcement was the Neil Gaiman thing, the Angela thing. It's cool. I mean, don't me wrong. Like Steve said, if she's in, if they make her interesting, she's a fun character. She's a kick-ass character. Mm-hmm. Great. You know that right. that's all I care about. The actual announcement doesn't mean anything to me. Right, but it's just so if, if Leonardo's root was into that that book yeah. and those characters, it would be like Kirby went to DC in 1971 mm. and brought Galactus with him. Right, exactly. What? Huh? Yeah, exactly. And that's what I mean. That's, it means very different things. Um, and so I would, you know, we heard from Leonardo. I like to hear from other people who are familiar with this character and what they think about it. You know, info at talkingcombooks.com. Talking, uh, Facebook.com slash talking comics or at talking comics on Twitter and let us know what you think about this because. Uh, I don't think any of us really have that that kind of attachment to that era in that way, and so it's hard for us to speak about it. Right, you, know? you guys are after. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm in the group of people that was annoyed at all those guys leaving, right. and then all the crap that followed after. Oh, writers aren't important. Right. Yeah. Really, Todd? Writers aren't important. <laughs> when this books were like, we're growing roses. Yeah. Oh, so getting a book out on time mm-hmm. is wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I know that uh, I know that John Byrne has has many quotes about that. Uh, oh, growing roses. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. growing roses. Yeah, thing. what were we doing? You know, you're piling yeah. up manure. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the Kirby could get eight books out a month. I guess you know the Galactus Trilogy is, is roses. Yeah, I mean it's 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 the thing that happens. You know when because those guys were really really young. Uh, when really young people get that much influence and power, a lot of times they're not very nice. <laughs> oh no, no, they called out. Yeah. Um, veteran creators well why didn't you do what we did mm-hmm. well you couldn't have in 1950 something right. or other you know <laughs> there weren't millionaires going out you know it's like, oh, please they hit everything just perfectly it was the speculator yeah. market they were hotter than anything mm-hmm. moved on made a lot of money for it for themselves great yeah so a lot of people made wonderful lasting work that they're still passionate mm-hmm. about and yeah. yeah it's when you're yeah. You, you encountered them, I suppose. It seems that, you know, and I'm just speaking, you know, very, uh, you know, in, from conjecture here and from circumstantial talkings about the, this era, most of the stuff that people seem really attached to isn't necessarily the Marvel work that they did. It's the stuff they did after they left. It's the it's the image stuff that people mm-hmm. seem to have a more keen to. I mean, people love Deadpool and Cable, but other than that, you don't see a lot of people, at least I don't see a lot of people on our Twitter feed or on our Facebook or getting emails from people talking about other create other uses of characters in that era you know no look, i think the longest lasting thing out of spawn beyond jim lee being in charge of dc right half yeah, being yeah. in charge of dc yeah. you know spawns the longest lasting character from that group of seven mm-hmm. for the rest i mean savage dragon is still being published does mm-hmm. anyone i don't know re- i really don't know really? Like, I, I don't you know, know. I, I you don't know. hear any passion about it really i don't either i mean you know and they did a thing where uh last year i think it was they revamped a lot of the like of the Liefeld like d- section of the characters mm-hmm. like Glory and Prophet with the with new like the Joe Keating was working on one of those and Prophet apparently was great you know and they completely revamped all those things so they've kept the characters alive that way but Spawn just keeps going the way that Spawn has always been it's, it's so many issues now it's ridiculous yeah, it's three hundred yeah something like that yeah that. yeah no, Image is now it's not the company those seven guys founded it's no. it's all these wonderful indie books that we all yeah. talk about all the time yeah. 
It's, so it's, for that, we're, we should all be grateful. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> some roses came from some manure in that, in that, in that situation. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Um, really quick, uh, Marvel announced uh, uh, Marvel Now Wave Two. A bunch of they didn't no ongoings that they said there any really new ongoings coming, but they said a bunch of uh, mini series and stuff, and a couple more Max and and a series of What If books, which are like What If uh, AVX stuff. Like so, What If stuff went other way around, and we got a couple uh, kind of funny. Oh, this could be good. Uh, responses. To I will that. not drink, so I don't spit it through my nose. Go. Um, uh, this is John D says. Uh, I used to love picking up what-if books back in the day. One of my favorite covers is the one from What If the X-Men Died on Their First Mission. It's so outrageous <laughs> that it's hilarious to behold. I hope that Marvel goes a little further out there with their new what-if line because the idea of an AVX one doesn't appeal to me at all. What if there were only one X-Men book? <laughs> I like his <laughs> tone <thing>. already. <laughs> um, our, one of our writers, Travis, responded to him and said, I'm a huge fan of what-ifs. I have a number of them in my collection and I'm always looking for more. But I feel like they could have done more. I mean, it might work if it's the X-Men that win and they change it so the Avengers are the villains. But I'd rather them come back with some crazy what-ifs. Like, what if Spider-Man and Doc Ock switch places? Wait. (laughs) (laughs) And Ryan Carroll said, I love what-ifs, but I'm getting a little tired of what-ifs that are just, what if this event occurred differently? I think there should be more what-if Iron Man and Doctor Doom switch places. Sure. Yeah. I'm for that. Absolutely. Um, I think my favorite, though, was back when it was Assistant Editor's Month and they did weird stuff. So, it was, you know, what if Aunt May were the Herald of Galactus? Right. <laughs> I want to see more of those. That would be great. I, w- I would definitely sign up for stuff like that. Um, yeah. So, um, really quick also, uh, Robert Redford is apparently in talks to, to join Captain America 2 as a high-ranking S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Uh, so, that's pretty cool. Um, and in bad news for, uh, apparently, from all the comments we got on it, uh, the artist on Shadow Man is leaving to go join Suicide Squad uh, with a less cot. Uh, mm-hmm. And we got a lot of comments. People were very, very passionate uh, about this. Um, and, you know, feeling like he's kind of jumping ship from a great book to, to kind of, I think one of the quotes was, you know, draw a you know, draw DC book number 17 or something like, you know, whatever it was. Be a random DC book. Yeah, all but, right. you know, I mean, it's interesting. A lot of artist changes on all sides of the coin, so... Uh, and uh, Marvel also, uh, not Marvel, Valiant also announced they were bringing back the world's worst superhero team, uh, and it's Quantum and Woody, oh. uh, which apparently people are very excited about. Like, again, I am not, I am very much committed now to reading a bunch of this Valiant stuff because people are very, very passionate about it, and I want to, I want to know. I know Steve has read, read a little bit of it, um, and I, I want to figure out what 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 all the jazz is about. You know, I read a little bit of Exo Man of War over the weekend and I, I enjoyed what I read. So I, I want to keep going uh, with that. Who are Quantum and Woody? Help me out here. Um, I, I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> but they're the world's worst superhero yeah, team. So I that's mean, a start. They're from the, the, you know, from the original Valiant universe, like the, like all the other characters they've been uh, revamping here. Um, I'm going to try to look it up okay. over the break and I will... So uh, when you said world's worst superhero team, I was wondering how did they get the rights to the Thunderbolts? <laughs> I'm sorry. That was, that was just too snarky even for me. It's too soon, Bob. <laughs> too soon. Yeah, too soon. soon. <laughs> okay. The book's, uh, the book's not even dead yet. Too soon. Um, so, uh, yeah. So that's, a, that's yep. a lot of the news. That's a ton of stuff happening. Again, we're going to talk about the Annie Diggle, uh, Tony Daniel thing about Action Comics uh, when we get back uh, from the break. But let's uh, go into our book of the week. I think we might be at a record. We're 27 minutes before we got to our book of the week. Wow. But uh, <laughs> It's that banter that everyone loves. Well, that was this was hard news we were talking about, Bob. This okay. wasn't just like, hey, what did you do this weekend? Um, we'll do that later. Yeah, I went to a mental asylum. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Bob, what do you got for oh, us? Uh, a whole bunch, but I'm going to do them as quickly as possible. Um, 
One of the things I threw up on our presents for the week, it's an archive edition of Wonder Woman. Uh, it's the late 50s stuff. Uh, and in, in reading through it, I'm loving looking at the Andrew and Esposito art, which was really quirky. It wasn't exactly Harry Peter, but really neat. And I saw these as a five, six, seven-year-old mm -hmm. kid. This is the Wonder Woman of the 60s who would be in the cartoons in the Justice League. And the stories end up being really kind of bad. <laughs> um, instead of... Dr. Marston's, you know, fiercely independent Wonder Woman trying to spread love and joy. Mm. Here she spends most of her time running away from Steve Trevor, who's trying to get her to get married. <laughs> so it, it, it's great that I have it. I will not buy a second volume, but mm. it's fun to have some old Wonder Woman. That's uh, a shame. You were really looking forward to that. Yeah, and I really, I love looking at this. Gi giant octopus. Mm. We've, we've got Tyrannosaurus, Wonder Girl, uh, Tyrannosaurus Wonder Girl. <laughs> yeah, all sorts of good stuff, but not nearly enough. But thankfully, I got a really great discount. Um, on, on not a mixed bag thing, Captain America number five. Poop. Poop. Um, what I've been loving about this series so far, Rick Remender has really handled the Depression era. Steve Rogers growing up, his father is a problem, his mm -hmm. mother is sick. Uh, this book has none of that. Mm -hmm. It's 22 pages of fighting in Dimension Z and mutants and, you know, hobo cap and... <laughs> <laughs> I still love that. Well, it's the truth. And we've hobo got cap. Arnim, Arnim Zola and TV sets in our chest and mm. bleh. <laughs> I may go one more. Mm -hmm. You say that every, yeah. every month. Okay, but I want to see the end of this story and then I, at least I'll feel better. <laughs> I've, done, I've given it a fair shot. Uh -huh. If I give it six issues, I'm done. Uh, it was a great week in Avengers. I don't know if anybody here... Yeah, I read both of them. Yeah, I read it. Um, oh, wait. I don't know. No, I read New Avengers. Okay, there I won't say oh, No, no, I did read both. Avengers with <laughs> let me see, our, let me, let me our friend from the New Universe, Starbrand. Mm -hmm. Though this time he's not Kenneth Connelly. He's Ken O'Connor, no. I guess. Yeah. Or, I did not read Avengers. <laughs> no. So I won't say anything all about that. Uh, New Avengers was amazing. Yeah. We have the alternate Earth, Galactus, and Terax, and the mm -hmm. heroes... Doing heroic things? I yeah. need to read that again. I was very um, befuddled when I put that down. What a nice word. Yes. <laughs> it's getting it's it's getting a little bit to the point where if I don't go back and read the other issues, that the the story itself is just so big that I feel myself getting lost in it. Uh, well, you know, we're in that the one of those earths that's colliding with ours that the black swan has told us about. Mm-hmm. And they show up over there, and you know, from the cover, ooh, there he is, the yeah. old Planet Eater himself. It's an awesome cover. Yeah, um, I'm sad about Jeff Parker's Dark Avengers. We're coming down the mm -hmm. end here. We've got a couple of big explosiony type things that I don't want to say anything about. And ruin it. People are still picking this up. That's one of those books that I'm going to once it's over, I'm going to go back and read and and mask because I, I was picking it up, but again, like we talk about this all the time, so many books. It's just you know, it's sometimes you got to. It was one of the things where I didn't pick it up a couple of weeks, and I was like, I'll just get it next week and pick up the, you know, and then I just forgot or I didn't have the money still, and, you know, so I just never. Yeah, some real neat surprises that I now won't say anything about. Okay. You should have fun. Mm. And even the TV Avengers was good this week. Oh, see to Mrs. Peel? Yeah. Uh, X Factor 253, you guys are. I'm one issue behind. One issue behind. Yeah. The You're... only one I haven't read is the new one. Yeah. Okay. So. You, you'll enjoy this a lot. It's a lot more about Ron's son, Tyr, and of course you have Hell Lords involved and. The H E double L hell on Earth, mm. as opposed to that miserable Superman one. But it's all human. These characters that, that Peter David's setting out here month after month just get better and better. More and more things happen, and you'll as you'll see as you go mm. on. Yeah, just so much fun. Now, the real actual book of the week, after all that big setup, <laughs> um, Captain Marvel number eleven. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, of course, Kelly Sue DeConnick. This time, Chris Sabella helping out on the script. Uh, Felipe Andre still and a wonderful Joe Canones cover, which we talked about. And Canones. Canones. Sounds the like something. Canones. Yes. Uh, I, I would be remiss in not mentioning Jordi Belair's colors, which really sell the emotional content of this book. We pick up mm-hmm. without seeing the aftermath of the cliffhanger. We don't have to see splat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but we, we pick up with Carol in the hospital that she's not in good shape and her friend Tracy Burke you know, telling her to get back in the bed and you, you Earth's mightiest dumbass, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, so it's the usual mix of humor and whatever. We find out what the consequences could be if she ignores her doctor's orders. Mm-hmm. And they're pretty horrendous. Uh, we find out a little more about Deathbird, but not much. She has a handler who we don't know who that is yet. Hmm. Uh, and taking... Taking the battle literally home to Carol. There's some, you know, there's a some really creepy sort of I don't want to say Silence of the Lambs, but stalker horror movie kind of thing as you get to the last couple of pages, which are really really chilling. Um, if folks haven't been picking this up after all I've said after all these months, well, it's too late. You're gonna have to hear it again. Um, <laughs> The arc here started in issue nine. You go right from there. Read mm-hmm. these through. If that doesn't hook you on this series. Mm-hmm. More power to you, our salute, but Captain Marvel 11, for me, is a goodie. Yeah, I, you know, and we got a response, actually, from Ethan, who we you know, we talked a lot about his email last week, uh, you know, about the art in Captain Marvel versus the art in JLA, and uh, I'll read it in a second, but I had to say, like, this, is, this, this issue, which I loved, and also really enjoyed the art in, does highlight, for me, again, like, the issue that, I, a little bit of the issue I had with is that I have adjusted to this art, and now next month it's going to be gone. You know what I mean? And we're going to have a different artist. And so I'm going to have to readjust. And I think you said, I think Dexter's always supposed to come back, mm-hmm. um, which will be nice. And I, I like, I love his art, but you know, it, it, I, 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 I like the feeling, you know, one of the reasons I, I love that Capullo was in almost every issue of Batman is you get in this rhythm, you know, and you, and you, you get into this, you, you learn his visual cues and you learn like, okay, this means this, and this is a callback to this. And it's never, there's never a, um, a mystery about it because it's this uniform look. And I know that's not possible sometimes. Um, but like the Fleet Bond stuff, I started out eh, on. And by this issue, when I was done with it, I was like, okay, yeah. Like, I get it. You know, that I, I, I'm in it. Like, it, it, it might, I become accustomed to it. I actually really like it now. And now he's going to be gone, you know. And so th- that, is the, that is the issue for me more than, I guess, I've realized this week after reading it was le- less the style and more, you know, it being switched around so much that I can't, uh, keep my brain is like not keeping up, okay. with, you know, with it. Um, and I don't. We talk about the art in this book so much. I don't want to belabor it too much, but that's just what I realized after loving this issue, you know. And I feel like all of a sudden this thing that I'm starting to love. Not that it's going to end because it's going to be great, but um, it's like I have to readjust again. So, okay, I, I think the point they're trying to make here has been always matching art styles to mm-hmm. emotional content of each individual absolutely little arc. Mm. Which is, it is, I've not encountered that before in comics, yeah. except for people, you know, in the Growing Roses days, where they were just, <laughs> you know, books late, change artists, half, 70s Marvel were the worst in that books would start to get late, and it'd be half an issue. Hmm. You would get a framing device, and then an inventory story that had nothing to do with what went on. Wait, there are four artists on this one issue, hmm. That's and the weird. story, and the story didn't, Go anywhere, and yeah. I have to. So I bought this for nothing. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Yeah, 
I mean, we're a little. I think Steve and I, especially, are a little spoiled because when we since we got into this, there's you don't really get very many late issues. I mean, the indie side you do yeah. sometimes, like Morning Glories or Whispers, <laughs> <laughs> which I don't even know if you call it delayed. What, um, what book is this? Just never uh, comes out, uh, you know. But for the most part, all the two, the big two stuff comes out, you know, like clockwork because they refuse to let it be late anymore, yeah. and, and that's why why you get these change of artists so much now. Mm. Um, and so in that way, I would rather have the books out every month than have to wait. You know, oh, I agree. Extra time, but that's just my opinion about it. I just power through stuff. You know, I mean, with the, I mean, if the, like if the writing is bad and the art is bad, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But um, as it stands, particularly with Captain Marvel, uh, there's until there's no more story left to tell. There's no way that I would leave this book. Mm-hmm. You know, the at this at this point, the character means too much to me and stands for too much in today's comic world, I think that, uh, you know, I'll follow the character and I'll, I'll follow the books so long Mm -hmm. as it's good. And I've, you know, I've enjoyed every issue. I mean, for me, it, it dipped a little bit around like eight or nine, but, um, after going back and rereading and just, you know, it's, it's very jarring to have things switched up on you Mm -hmm. visually. You know, we talk about, um, we talked a lot last week about how we read books so fast because mm-hmm. there's so many and we have so many coming into the site that we want to be caught up on stuff to be able to talk about it. Yeah. But at the same token, when you're switching around artists, it's very hard to immerse yourself in that world because you become comfortable within the confines of a person's voice and a person's art. And then you sit down and you know perhaps you didn't like something in the beginning, but you grew into it. Mm-hmm. And then, like like you had, you've grown into this now. And now yeah. you're enjoying it, and now next month it's being taken away from you. Right. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. you'll have to get reacclimated all over again. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, it would never. Well, for now, it would not keep me from reading the book, but it is it is a little disheartening. Yeah. I would think it's not that it won't keep me from reading the book. It absolutely won't. It's just one of those. It, it puts like the like the asterisk for me next to the book, you know, and okay. I, you know, and that's all. That's the only mm-hmm. reason why. Um, Ethan, who wrote this nice email to us, and you know, uh, wrote a comment just uh, today actually about what we had said, and he said, "Hi guys, first I want to thank you for not only reading my email on the podcast, but for having such a lively discussion around it." Steve, I just want to say that I definitely did not intend to imply that there should only be a certain art in certain comics. And I apologize for leaving that impression. Yes, you did. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> My point was just that the art in Captain Marvel is not what I want, he's saying, from a superhero book. Mm-hmm. That said, I did pick up Captain Marvel number 11, read it, and then he dropped it from his, I dropped it from my pull list at my local comic shop. On the one hand, I was tempted to see if I would like later issues more. On the other hand, that would mean not buying other comics that I know I would like better, um, which is something we talk about all the mm-hmm. time. Uh, mm-hmm. Let me be clear, however, that I'm glad that Captain Marvel is there, and I hope it continues on. There are a lot of people who absolutely love the book and the direction it's taken, and it should be there for them. It's just not for me. Um, and he, this is also, he says, just to follow on that, I think it's interesting that both Steve and Neil Stewart, who was our guest uh, last week on the show, uh, were quite vocal in their dislike for their, the unified DC style. Uh, and I think I was, I think we're all kind of part of that. Uh, whereas for him, for me, this is one of the reasons why I love DC Comics. I love that style of art, and I love the fact that if I pick up Green Lantern or Justice League comic, Hal Jordan will pretty much look the same at the same time. Um, my pull list for Marvel is very short down to two comics now in large part because recently half the time when I pick up a Marvel book I don't like the art ultimately though as we pointed out in the podcast whether someone likes or dislikes art is a very personal thing I'm glad that the two major publishers have very different approaches because it gives room for different people to buy major comics that they love 
I know that if DC took more of a Marvel route, I would pare down my pull list considerably. Um, and then he also, I'll, I'll read this whole comic because it was, it was very well thought out. He said, second, I love your segment on violence and sex in comics. There is definitely a tendency to focus more on sex than violence as being objectionable, but I think that is something that has always existed in American society. Furthermore, it's not just comics, but almost all media. For those who remember back in the early 90s, there was a controversy of NYPD Blue on TV because it showed two naked people in the shower. Um, and he said, third, this is, in the segment on piracy, you mentioned uh, places where people could legitimately purchase comics for less money, thus avoiding piracy. And I would just like to add one more. I have had great luck finding recent books, two to three years old, relatively cheap at comic book conventions. There's a lot of smaller conventions all over the, all over the country. They're not as well known as Comic-Con or WonderCon, but often they have, are great for people who love comics. Thanks and regards, Ethan. So thank you very much, Ethan. Yep. That, you know you, the email you sent us a couple weeks ago was very well thought out, and and this is a very well thought out comment too. And whether we all agree on it or not, it's obviously that you are someone who thinks about this stuff just as much as we think yep. about it. You know, and it's nice to see that we're enemies now. <laughs> <laughs> You're on our list, Ethan. I'm so kidding. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. No, those little cons. Check your local penny saver, the newspaper. They're in bowling alleys and uh, hotel ballrooms, garage sales. Mm-hmm. And, well, they're like glorified garage sales. It's all your local dealers and their dollar boxes. Yeah, I mean, when I we they have like this uh, little like street festival in, in this town called Sayville near us in the summer, and I went there and I got you know a bunch of books. I got all of the DC one million books by Grant Morrison, all of them for like two dollars. Amazing, you know, yeah. and it, it, you the stuff you can absolutely do. But, uh, yeah, so it's great. Um, Steve. Oh, you're done, right, Bob? Sorry. I'm done. Okay, Steve. Huzzah. <laughs> uh, let's see. What did I read this week? Not much. <laughs> uh, Ultimate Comics Spider-Man number 21. I'm really, really enjoying the uh, Venom War story that's going on right now. Uh, Sarah Pacelli is killing it with the art. She's just fantastic. I love her version of Venom. It's like this globular giant uh Miyazaki monster <laughs> thing it's so it's so cool it doesn't always look like the traditional venom mm-hmm. but i'm fine with that and i absolutely love the um what i call what i'm referring to as the hipster versions of uh Mary Jane and Gwen being together and just the the glances and the smirks that they share with one another um, very patronizing and uh, just fun and funny in a situation that right now the book is something very dire is going on that there's a lot of um, danger, uh, not death, but just, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people could die as a result of this whole who is the new Spider-Man thing. There's a lot hanging in the balance. Uh, it's nice to be able to laugh in between panels of, of the serious stuff going on. Um I've absolutely fallen in love with Daredevil. I'm not going to talk about it too much, but uh, issue number 24 was outstanding. Just as outstanding as uh, 23, which crippled me. Uh, so good. So many, so many, two, two major, majorly cool things going on in that. And it's cool because it goes from these super serious things that are happening, because something very serious is happening, to, you know, uh, Hank Pym showing up and shrinking down these these giant, you know, vicious, like mutated dogs into yeah. little itty bitty dogs. He puts on a little thing and, and yeah. takes away with them, you know? Yeah. This is a great mix of stuff. Uh, let's see. see uh, Superior Spider-Man, number six. Absolutely loving uh, Superior Spider-Man. Very happy to see uh, Humberto Ramos back on the yeah. art end of things. Yeah. 
I think he's you know, very much at home within this mm. this new uh, Spider-Man take that's going on. Mm. And uh, hopefully, I haven't you know I haven't looked, but hopefully he's on for another issue or two before he goes off to do something else. I think he's on this whole "You're Fired" arc, like oh, this whole Spider-Man sweet. Fired arc. I'm pretty sure that's what when they solicited, it, that's what they announced. Um, yeah, it looks great, you know, and I love the Stegman stuff a lot, and I, I'll be happy when he comes back as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was perfect for this issue, though, with, like, the Jester character and stuff. It, it, it was really perfect. And the other thing about it, too, is that I do feel like he probably had a lot more time to draw this issue than he had, you mm-hmm. know, when he was working on the double shipping book every, uh, you know, every month. The, I think it, the art in here is the best art I've seen from him in a Spider-Man book since I started reading Amazing, you know, back, wow. you know, over a year ago. So right. uh, it, just, it looks it looks almost... The same, like on par with the Fairy Quest stuff. You, you know, it's it's not quite as stylized, uh, but it, it does achieve a lot of that. The the big expressive eyes mm-hmm. and stuff. You know, it just looks great. Uh, that's going to be continuing, by the way. They um the oh, two cool. the two issues ended, and then there's going to be a follow up uh, to that. So uh, I finished Deadpool number six, mm-hmm. uh, and now that I've had you know a full arc with the character, I realize that there's probably stuff from you know years back that I'm not aware of or anything. Um, I like it. It's okay. I don't know that I'm going to continue it. I'd be curious to see what the next story with him is. I do get chuckles out of it, but um, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just under under enough yeah. for me that that I it's not like a solid pull list mm-hmm. uh, item for me. Uh, Nova was good. Nova was awesome. Yeah, I, I'm uh, the scene with Rocket Raccoon is where Rock Raccoon basically almost kills the kid for calling him a raccoon. What did you call me? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it was it was awesome. Um I'm really really enjoying it. And we had a we had a listener on Twitter uh right that he thinks that Bob Hoskins should uh voice Rocket Raccoon in, in the I movie. I think that's great. Mm. Uh, I'm going to find your name sir and I'm going to give you credit once I find the <laughs> Well, Mr. Hoskins right. has retired from acting. He didn't say he retired from voiceovers. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so my, uh, my girlfriend came to visit for a couple of days. Everybody got to meet her. It was very nice. She was yeah. lovely. Thank you. Uh, I think so too. <laughs> so she, uh, she's really gotten into comics, uh, since her and I have been together and I handed her the first trade of Morning Glories. So she read all of Morning Glories, uh, within like a morning. Nice. And, uh, yeah, she reads very fast and it was quite cool because, Every couple of pages, she was asking me questions and asking me what was going on. So I got to basically vicariously read through the entire the entire story from beginning to end nice. uh, by way of her and completely caught me up on just how ridiculous that series is. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I do realize, and if anything, I'm more confused than ever after having <laughs> read it a second time as opposed to it, you know, having some kind of clarity. Um, but my, my thirst for wanting to know what's going on and what, how it's going to pan out and what's going to come next is stoked more than ever. Um, there's an, uh, issue number 25 comes out today. I am, I cannot wait. I cannot wait to see what's going on. There's a lot of things, uh, a lot of questions I th- hope and think are about to be answered. Uh, and I have some theories mm. and it was a really, it made for a really great conversation between us. We got to talk about it pretty much the whole weekend and toss things back and forth. And it was almost like, like watching lost mm-hmm. when people were, you know, around the water cooler yeah. or whatever, and just, you know, throwing out theories mm. 
as to what could be going on, what's happening, mm-hmm. who's you know who's this person, why do they look different here? Um, just a really really great uh, conversational book. Did you find the name? Yes, I did. Okay, it's uh, at Doctor Flux three H on Twitter. Bradley Tim uh, was the one who suggested Bob Hoskins. Oh, nice. So good on good you. Good job. Uh, so, but my favorite, favorite book of the week, absolutely without a doubt, was Saga number 11. Nice. My God, <laughs> I love this book. It's, it's, uh, I don't, I'm not going to talk about it too much because it's a very, uh, if you are not caught up, like I know that the two people sitting in front yes. of me are not, <laughs> uh, I will not spoil anything for you. I will just simply say that for every sad, you get a happy. <laughs> and um, the character uh, in the series known as The Will mm-hmm. has officially made it into my top 10 male comic character badass <laughs> list of all time. He he pulls something in this issue that you need, you need giant space balls to, to, <laughs> to do what he does. And... Uh, this is uh, one of the one of the first comics I think that I've ever. I sat down, I read it, and when I put it down, I actually cheered, mm-hmm. like I clapped my hands together, and I was giddy, and I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh my god, I love this book!" <laughs> uh, so Saga, we've recommended it more than enough times. Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples. If you haven't uh, been collecting this book, I think the trades uh, on Amazon for like six bucks yeah. at this rate. And the second one, I believe, is May. Yeah. I think it's early May. Pick it up, start reading it, start start buying, you know, the issues that are to follow the second trade, and just get into this book. It is really something special. Mm. And uh, on the Morning Glorious conversation, so people know, uh, I'm a... I'm a thing is, like, it com- it's come out so sporadically over the last couple of issues yeah. that I don't even know how many issues I am behind. I think I'm only two issues behind, but I don't even know, you know? Um, and uh, But the cool thing is, is that, you know, the... Issue 25 comes out uh, today. Yeah. Um, and then I believe it's either next week or next month. There's a 99 cent issue that's the prologue to season two. And the same day that comes out, uh, the fourth trade of Morning Glories comes out for, I think, $14. And it's it's something like the size, you know, it's the size of like eight comic books, even though it's only like four if, or five oh, issues. Uh, if you go on to, again... Uh, this is not a commercial for them, but Amazon.com yeah. is just such a great uh, place to get your trades. Uh, $8.43. Nice. If you pre-order nice. uh, Volume 4. Which Morning I'm going Wars. to do. And yeah. then maybe what we can do is we can have a little spoiler cast. Yeah. And we can talk about what happened and then talk about theories for what's going to come up. I would love that. Because mm. um, it seems like the kind of book you can do that for. Oh, totally. All right. Cool. So Saga. Yes. Number 11. We're saying we were talking about, you know, some indie books that are late. This book, I don't think a book's ever been late. No, so, no. <laughs> it's been on like clockwork. And it's only getting better. So good job, Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples. Um, is that it for you, Steve? Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Um, I want to quickly touch on Indestructible Hulk, um, which ended its its arc uh, with issue five, um, its first arc, and it's been it's been good. It hasn't been, I think, great. Uh, I, I think part of that is even though. I like Lionel Yu's art. I think his art is beautiful. I think, especially in the action, it's uh, stupendous. I feel like it's not quite right. Like when we talk about this thing again, for what Wade is writing, 
you know, I, I want a little more personality in, in, the, in the faces. That's really what I want. Mm-hmm. And that's just, again, it's personal preference. I, I, part of the reason that I think Daredevil works so well is he needs had Samney and he had um, uh, Marcos Martin uh, um, and I forgot the other artist that was on the book, but very expressive faces and I, I lose that in this book. I'm extremely excited uh, for Walt Simonson to do the next arc. Ultimately expressive. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I think it says like uh, Simonson, Hulk, Thor. Do we have to say anything else? That's what the ad says. About right. Yeah, I'm super yeah. pumped for that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and a lot of the other Marvel books Steve already touched on. I want to touch quickly on a, a triumvirate of DC books. Uh, first of all, uh, Constantine number one came out uh jeff lemire and uh ray fox and i reviewed it for the site uh and pretty much characterization is spot on and 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 i think fantastic and i really want to read more about this character uh right now the story doesn't really do much for me it's not bad but it's not something that engages me if i had to choose between being really engaged in the story and and really into a character i'd always pick character first because uh, that's what's going to take you through you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 issues. Because mm-hmm. uh, there's always going to be down issues of books. And if the character is great, then that, they can take you through that. Um, w- the feeling of it is is really nice because it does feel different than the rest of the DCU. It definitely feels like it still has some vertigo hooks in it. Oh. Um, you know, it, which is the good thing about it. And also a little bit of the issue with it. Because it... I've been reading John Constantine. I've read just about every appearance John Constantine has had in the New 52. And there was still stuff in this book where I felt a little bit, you know, over my depth. And it's nothing specific. And maybe I'm looking into things that aren't even there. But there are characters that just kind of show up that, uh, you know, his his universe feels very lived in already. And that could be, that's a compliment in some way. But also it left me feeling like, am I missing something? Is there something I've missed before? Should I, do I, do I, should I know more of the Vertigo stuff? Um... And maybe I should. Maybe it's maybe it's just the way they're telling the story. Maybe they're just throwing you in head first, which you generally like. I do, yeah. you know. Um, and maybe it was it was more like being con- just confused. Maybe it was like I felt like I should have been on par and I wasn't. Um, but w- the cool thing about it is it does definitely does not feel like an extension of the Justice League Dark Universe. It doesn't just feel like they took a character out of that book, let put the same tone together, and went. This feels like John Constantine, um, and. Uh, it has some excellent voiceover and it deals with a, a cool thing about what magic means and what, what the cost of using magic is. Oh. You know, about giving you magic, you're taking something that doesn't belong to you and there's always a price to pay for that no matter what. Uh, it's obviously gritty because that's what Constantine is. It's different different than the, the tone of most of the DC Universe. It's like, it's like, that's why I said it feels like it has some of that vertigo in it. Um, you know, he it gets rid of the cursing and the and the the sex, but there's definitely still the violence. And the 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 fun thing about Constantine is that he's definitely a hero, but he's not somebody you you necessarily like all the time. He does some very questionable things in order in the name of doing the right thing. And sometimes that right thing is he knows he's the person who can stop something, so he will sacrifice someone else so he can stay alive. Um, you know, uh, and not 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 a thing where he'll. he'll he'll be the one who kills somebody, but he won't save somebody, you know? Uh, and it's a testament to how well Fox and Lemire write him that when he does one of these questionable things in this book, you still like him. You still want to root for him. Uh, definitely going to keep going with it, but I was not blown away by it. I will say, though, the art uh, by Renato Geddes, I'm going I'm to guess that's how you say his name, uh, I really, really enjoyed it. A lot of good detail, 
you know, just a style that I really liked. And the colors as well, um, who I don't remember the colorist's name, and I'm trying to look it up right now as we speak. Um, I wrote about in the uh, Marcelo Maiolo. Uh, really, really nice because they, they switch up from the, like the dank, dark New York streets to this almost like James Bond, like ice hotel they go to at the end. Wow. And it, it's a good variation and it looks really nice. Uh, definitely a book that I think has a lot of promise, but one that I don't think has quite fulfilled that promise yet. Uh, nobody else read it here, right? I didn't get a chance. Yeah, no. get a chance. Okay. Uh, but really quick, I want to talk about uh, really my books of the week are the, the justice league, the team of justice league books. I did read justice league. Uh, First, I'll start with the one I liked less and then go to the one I liked the most. Just League of America had some really, really fantastic moments. Um, also, some weird storytelling hiccups that it, it, it just felt like there was some leaps in, in, in timing and, um, you know, things came together a little too succinctly, a little too easily. It felt like the, I feel like, again, there was information that was supposed to be there that I didn't get, you know? Uh but some really, uh, I don't like. I still don't. I still don't like the art on Selena. But her characterization is great, uh, and, and I'm really excited about that. Uh, I like them all together as a team. And there's a hilarious moment with Hawk, Hawkman and Vibe. Uh, that's some great, you know, visual comedy that I, I, I think everybody will enjoy. Uh, definitely a little bit of a mixed bag, but did not turn me off to what I was reading. And the backup by Matt Kent about Martian Manhunter was a lot of fun. Um, but my real book of the week is actually Justice League number 18. And the reason for that is because all it really is is Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman uh, going, look, we all have cities to protect. Things We have things that take us away from the league all the time. We can't always be vigilant. We need new members to be full-time leaguers who are going to be here and are going to always be vigilant. And... What you do is you get them calling in a, a bunch of, of, you know, what you, I guess you would call secondary heroes to interview for the Justice League. And the, the cool thing about it is that you just get a issue of people, of them sitting around, talking, and showing off their personalities, which we haven't really gotten that much of in the book to date. Um, and they call it, they got Black Canary, Black Lightning, Blue Devil, Element Woman, Firestorm, Gold Rush... Uh, Nightwing, Platinum, Vixen, and Zatanna all get called into uh, up to the satellite, and some of them, you know, did not decline. Like Nightwing declines the, the invitation, and some of them accept. And it, it's it's classic Jeff Johns because he does what he does best. He goes, okay, I have all these heroes, everybody knows, everybody loves, and we'll write them, we'll do the thing. But let's get in the characters. You know, he says on the on the Kevin Smith podcast, he says, give me the scrubs. You know, give me the pe- <laughs> the ones that people don't know a lot about. Give me the ones people think aren't cool. Think, give me the, you know, and let me show you that these are. There are no bad characters in these universes. They're just they haven't been told right yet. I, I agree with that a hundred percent. You know, um, and so we get to meet. Like we t- we talked about <clears throat> the event, right? We talked we talked about X Factor and Young Avengers characters that you don't necessarily know that well. You can do a lot of cool stuff with, you know, and you get some really funny moments here uh, between Black Lightning and Blue Devil and, and Firestorm. Um, you get seeds of something to come because you seed the stuff with the metal men that isn't really deli- isn't really paid off here. She's kind of malfunctioning, and they're like, "Oh, we we can't deal with this right now." Like the, the, the last time we do, I can't remember the doctor's name. The sign- Magnus. Yeah, the, the, the favor. I, I am a I am a little concerned. The, mm-hmm. the The metal men were a and always have been a very light construct. Mm-hmm. 
Um, don't know how they're going to fit here, but mm-hmm. I may have to pick. It's already in. She's ready in this one. She's Tina? in this one. Yeah. I mean, I don't okay. know what, if she's going to come back right away. It, you know, she malfunctions. She kind of goes crazy and she's like, she, well, I've it, seen a cover with her spinning out of control. Yeah. That's basically what solicited. happens, you know? So, um, and they're like, she's malfunctioning. We can't want her right now. And then you do get the debut of the new Adam. Uh, it's a oh. female. Uh, and it's a great moment. You know, it's just, a, it's a fun, light moment. And mm-hmm. it, it left me smiling after the book. I mean, Steve, what did you think? I really liked it. Mm-hmm. I really, really did. Um, I've been, you know, I just recently jumped back onto Justice League. And uh, because of the uh, Throne of Atlantis arc that was yeah. going on with, mm-hmm. with uh, Aquaman. Mm-hmm. And really am enjoying the book now uh, again. And I really did enjoy this issue. I love the idea. Absolutely love the idea of having a whole bunch of characters that I know nothing about in a room just kind of like snarking away yeah. the majority of them anyway. Yeah. It was funny. Yeah, it was it funny. It was really funny. Mm-hmm. It has, you know, it had a lot of good uh like, like personality moments and mm-hmm. clues into these characters. And uh I it's funny the the issue itself has the preview for Superman in the back and mm-hmm. then it has I guess more Shazam yeah. stuff in the yeah, back. Yeah, the backup. So I didn't expect it to end half mm-hmm. half issue. Yeah. And when I got to the page, I was like, no. I was like, I want more. I want yeah. more of this. So yeah. um yeah, no, I uh I'm I'm really I didn't I forgot that they were gonna be asking for new people mm-hmm. uh when I picked this up. So it kind of threw me a little bit. I was like, wait a minute, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Uh but you could totally it's a actually quite a good jumping on point. It is for yeah. anyone that hasn't been reading the book. Mm-hmm. I would I would call this a jumping on issue. Definitely. Yeah, it totally is, and it, it's a good jumping on issue because it definitely starts to unite the universe more, and it feels like that's what Johns is trying to do. Um, I also, you know, I've been loving the art. The, like the uh, uh, Ivan Rice art has been great, but I don't. Know, uh, Jesus Saez, I'm going to say that's how you say his name. S A I Z. Um, I really liked it. It was it was it was lighter in tone. It it was you know you could feel the personality in it, and I really really liked it while still being very detailed, very realistic, but just had a a, a whimsy to it that I really really liked. Um, yeah, I was really surprised. You know, I was I was concerned because the Throne of Atlanta was was so good. It was exactly what I was waiting for, and I was worried with Aquaman no longer in the picture that it was going to go back to kind of the mediocre book that it had been mm-hmm. before, or what I felt was a mediocre book, and it didn't. It, it it it. If anything, this is more what I want. I want to see more of. You know, okay. I remember. You know, when I, when I read back uh, back when I read the Tower of Babel, the Mark Wade JLA uh, story when Just Like Doom was coming out. There was a lot of that. A lot of them just sitting around talking in the watchtower, and I I, I really liked that. And I, it's here, and you know, uh, if we get more issues like this, I'll be very very happy. Well, that was one of the things that was always a highlight of this book as far back as the sixties. Mm-hmm. The, the meet, you know, they used to meet in a cave, yeah, and sit around the table mm-hmm. and chat. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Adam had a little tiny chair that yeah. would float <laughs> above the table, which was always fun. But yeah. uh, this sounds like a may it's a palate cleanser, maybe before yeah. we get to the next big event. Yeah, probably. You know, and obviously we're heading towards a big event. We're heading towards Trinity War, their really first big event. You know, uh, title. You know, uh, universe wide event since they relaunched uh, the DCU. But uh, you know, they're setting up the team. They're setting up this Justice League. They're setting up JLA, and they're setting up the. In the, the League of Villains that they're doing as well, which also seems interesting, which is something in the JLA they, they do a little bit of. And that stuff is cool. You know, that they bring Scarecrow into the mix, and it does seem like it's going to be... Johns is really trying to unite the universe and do something interesting. So, uh, good jumping on point. Absolutely, Steve, that's a very, very good point. Um, 
Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> I, I hope this is a way I hope the book keeps going uh, from here on in. Uh, but that's it uh, for my book of the week. Um, we're going to take a little break and then we're going to come back and say what we want to see from Superman Action Comics. And before we jump into our Superman conversation, I said I'd look it up. Quantum and Woody. Um, the world's worst superhero team. The world's worst superhero team. Originally created by writer Christopher Priest and artist M.D. Bright, Quantum and Woody served as both a spoof of the black guy, white guy, buddy cop genre of the 80s, specifically Lethal Weapon, and of a superhero comics in general. Starring best friends and adopted brothers, Eric and Woody Henderson, the series was a huge critical success for Valiant when the publisher was the, at the very height of its popularity in the 90s. Um, there you go. Um, why is there a goat is. in it? I don't know. This is uh, uh James Osmus. Yeah, the co- Well, the cover is wonderful. Yeah. It, you know, it's big smiles, really bright, and you know, they're the uh, the one guy has like a metal fist. Oh, they have metal. Uh, sorry, they have metal br- uh, like bracelets on, and they're hitting them together. And the one the guy is saying clang nice. on, on the cover. <laughs> it looks really cool. Um, and Osmus uh, was taking it over. Or is starting it back up. Um, he said in all of comics there's no other book that mixed style and substance quite like Quantum and Woody I was willing to literally kill someone for the chance to write the relaunch for the new Valiant Universe uh, and he said I might have those first days after I got the call are a blur but Quantum and Woody isn't just a superhero book it's action comedy it's family drama it's boy meets goat tale that tugs at the heartstrings so that is a very good pitch uh, for the book um, sounds like I should be buying that one yeah I'm definitely going to check it out like, like I said I, I think I kind of missed the boat on the Valiant stuff, and I'd like to, you know, at least uh, check it out and see and see what I have been missing. But uh, let's let's dive back into our topic here. Uh, so we teased at the beginning of the show uh, Andy Diggle, who was supposed to take over for Grant Morrison uh, with issue 19 of Action Comics. Uh, on this past Wednesday, it, it leaked that he was leaving the book, uh, and he in fact did. He said, "Sadly, I've decided to walk away from Action Comics for professional reasons." Um, it was the toughest decision I've ever had to make, especially with Superman's 75th anniversary and Man of Steel on the horizon, but it was the right decision. No regrets onwards. Um, and he said, sincere thanks to Matt Idelson for inviting me to follow Grant Morrison on Action Comics. I hope we still get to work together someday. It's a very, very classy, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it was said that uh, artist Tony Daniel, Tony S. Daniel, would be taking over uh, for the to the end of the arc. And it was left to the question at first whether or not he'd continue. Um, but he cleared that up this week saying, yes, many have heard Andy Diggle left Action Comics after the first issue. I can only say I feel bad that he made that decision. I think it was the wrong one, but that was a choice. It was oh. his choice to make. For the remainder of the arc, I'll be working off his plots to finish off his first arc. So essentially, I become scripter in the credits with Andy as plotter. As for myself, I end my short run after I complete his first arc, which ends with issue 21. This was pre-planned since last fall, as there is another project I'll be taking on and assisting with a massive project with DC. I still think people will like this arc, and I'm staying as true as I can to Andy's plans for his story. In the end, I hope he'll find it somewhat recognizable as something he took part in. Classy as well. Uh, so both oh, very classy. Very, yeah. uh, you know, um, 
so I was excited to jump on the Antico stuff. I, uh, I liked the preview images I had seen, um, and I, I, w- I was excited for this. And now I'm still going to tr- pick it up and see what it's like, but you know, it kind of adds to this thing we've been talking about for months now about the, the, the problem that DC has had with Superman. Obviously, we've got the Scott Snyder, Jim Lee book coming up that we're all excited for, and I, I think we all think it's going to be great. Um, you know, but the and we have this Avengers Superman book, which outside the Orson Scott Card stuff has seemed like it's going to be a cool little endeavor for them. Um, but you know, action is the flagship Superman title, and I mean, for my opinion, I have read every creator who's worked on the Superman book, the title Superman book, uh, and found at best it to be mediocre, um, and at the worst to just be very bad. And, and, uh, you know, for Carol like Superman, that should not be where he's at in their universe. And so I am coming from the place of having read this stuff. I read, uh, probably the first six or seven issues of the Grant Morrison run. And my problem with Grant Morrison's run, uh, was not that the, the character, I felt like he was just doing service of the character as far as the spirit of the character. It was just it, for the beginning arc of the new 52, when I didn't know anything about this stuff, it just w- was too Grant Morrison, you know. It just went up in too many crazy places, and it's something I want to revisit. Um, but I, I think for trying to bring the character back up was not the right place to be um, for that. So, I mean, that's kind of my background with it. I know, Steve, you barely read any Superman stuff. Yeah, I've read all of maybe four or five Superman comics, with the exception of uh, Superman Family Adventures. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, obviously I know who the character is mm. because he's Superman, but um, I'm not really, I'm not familiar with his villains. I'm not familiar with his friends. I'm not, you know, I'm familiar with his power sets and stuff like that. And I did read, uh, I guess, up to issue five of the Grant Morrison. That's right, yeah. Uh, stuff. Um, and... I was I was really enjoying it. Uh, there was one at the um, was it uh, Kryptonia or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that particular issue I loved. Yeah, like I loved. I think it was issue number five. Mm-hmm. It was just spectacular, and I was so jazzed because it finally hit on an issue that I was like, "Oh man, this is awesome!" And the very next issue, I got dumped upon. With characters, the Legion of Superheroes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no idea who they were. Mm-hmm. Uh, I my my whole problem with with the action is that I didn't feel welcome in yeah. that universe. Mm-hmm. I felt like that was a being written, and that was a universe for people that have been following Superman for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and unlike the Green Lantern stuff, where that was kind of picking up where they left off. Um, I was able to catch a rhythm with that and enjoy that because of the character work that it was so good mm-hmm. and the 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 arc was so engaging. Personalities were so strong that I wanted to learn. Mm-hmm. With this, I I felt put off and didn't care yeah. whether I knew who they were or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I said, I'm definitely going to go back and check it out. Like I've said, like I'm there's not a bigger fan of Graham Morrison right now than me. Uh, and I want to check it out, but it definitely lost me. And and so the Diggle thing was exciting because it was a fresh start. And the stuff I've read of any Diggles before, I, I've I've enjoyed. So I'm I was looking forward to it. And I like Tony Daniel as a artist, not as a writer. Um, so I was also happy about that. Um, and now it's this. Now I mean that's what it, we are right now. But let's take a little backtrack here 
Bob, you're you've had a long history with the character. Sure. Um, um, I my, mean, my introduction to superheroes mm. is George Reeves playing Superman, which I saw in the late '50s. For those people who were celebrating my birthday before, we can now start <laughs> doing the math. Um, <laughs> Truth, justice, and the American way, and all that sort of stuff. But Superman stood for something uh, beyond that. It was for the little guy, always fighting to to stop corrupt politicians and bad men of all all stripes and ilk. And, and going back to Siegel and Schuster's, when you read the old things, it was uh, wife beaters and bad husbands and tenement slum lords and all sorts of things. It wasn't the Uber powerful, I can move planets around thing, and that some of that's gotten lost over mm-hmm. the years. Um, I really think at this point, having gone through, I've been away from Superman really since the death of, which had a lot of resonance. Mm-hmm. You know, when Dan Jurgens and uh, unleashed Doomsday mm-hmm. on him and whatever, we were in the middle of uh, that whole speculator era, and it turned into something else. His return sort of meant nothing mm-hmm. with four different Superman, and he came back as Richard Lewis and all the rest <laughs> of it. And Lewis slept with them all. Yeah, kind of. He got that vibe one way or the other, though what she did with steel, Lord knows, with that armor on, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, on that big hammer. Um, love Superman. He's, for, for people who are into Marvel, Superman should be Steve Rogers. He should be Captain mm-hmm. America. That person who will always do the right thing every time. Mm-hmm. The problem is the upright, caring, noble has lost out to grim, gritty, berserker. Mm. And so do I think a lot of writers, it's hard to get a handle on how to do that without it seeming boring mm-hmm. or less attractive than watching. You know, look, Cyclops is now secondary to Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Superman has been secondary to Batman since Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. You know, since right, Frank yeah. Miller, uh, and ne- only had blips since, and mm-hmm. it shouldn't be that way. He is really a great character, done well. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what we're all hoping for here—a Superman that reflects those values from Siegel and Schuster all the way back. Mm-hmm. You know, two Depression era kids, you know, sons of immigrants who write a book about the ultimate immigrant. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were saying to me today before we occurred that it's the most important book comic book ever, right? Ever, Action Comics yeah. one, which is you know, spring of nineteen thirty-eight. There isn't a comic industry without that happening. Comic books were mostly reprints of newspaper strips with an occasional new character who is generally knockoff of a movie detective or some funny animal book or whatever. You know, Superman, which had failed to, I don't know, a dozen different syndicates that they tried to sell it as a strip, you know, a la Flash Gordon, Buck Rogers, didn't sell. It repackaged it twice, three times, over and over again. And then they finally said, oh, we have this new book we're going to call Action, because we already have Detective. We'll do Action mm-hmm. this time. And bought Superman and splashed him on the cover, smashed in that car that we've seen homage how yeah. many gazillion times now. Yeah. That is the book that starts everything. We're here doing this because, you know, Major Wheeler and, and Nicholson, those guys back then went, Superman. Seems mm-hmm. like a good idea. It was about a year he had his own book, which was rare. Mm-hmm. You know, a character named after him, solely the adventures of Superman. This is it. This is the start of it right here, that he's been served so poorly for two decades. There, mm-hmm. There's a generation of fans. I'd say the majority of our listeners have never read mm-hmm. a really well-done Superman book. I mean, I, I just, you know, this, again, this is, we were hoping to have Rob here, uh, obviously, because he fills in this gap in between, um, you know, obviously there, like you said, there are blips, like, uh, I understand Birthright is very good. 
Um, Mark Wade. Mark Wade. Um, the All Star Superman, which was a Grant Morrison, it was Superman before the New Fifty Two, is has a huge amount of acclaim. Um, the John's run on action is, is known to be quite good. Not you know not one of his, mm-hmm. not his best run, but his Superman Brainiac uh, run is supposed to be quite good. And the, actually, the next DC animated movie is based off off mm-hmm. of that. Um, so you know. Again, like we're only speaking, you know, again from very different perspectives right. here on our experiences here, um, and also I want to say, you know, just like everything here, you know, and I assume this would go without saying, but we're just giving our opinions here, you know, and if you guys disagree with us, please let us know. If if there's something about the Superman that's going on right now that you really love, let us know because we aren't really, you know, I like I've, I've checked in on it and did not connect with it, but if you're connecting with it. Let us know because I want to know if, if we you, want to read more stuff. Exactly. Yeah. If you read all of the Grant Morrison action comics and you're like, yeah, you know, when you're in the middle of it, it's tough to get into. But the whole tapestry, it, you know, it's great. I, I want, I want, we want to hear about that. Um, but this is just kind of what we're where we're coming from and what we want from the character. And like you said, Bob, I'm one of those people who, you know, I I'm especially leading up to Man of Steel, I'm going to go through and read a bunch of big Superman arcs because I want to get into this stuff. But I, you know, Superman is not a character I have a lot of connection with, other than animated stuff. You know, it's not he's a char- been served very well animated. Yes, he has. Yeah. Uh, I, one of the real problems to me right now is we're looking at a DC universe mm-hmm. that it's the tone, whether mm-hmm. it's editorial or that they've selected writers to write in a certain way. Mm-hmm. It's a very dark place. Yeah. Now you could then you could choose to do Superman darkly, mm-hmm. which. Kind of hasn't worked as right. they're doing it, yeah. Or he can be the beacon that stands out against it, and you've got to then find that artist within, or artist and writer within their roster who yeah. can maybe do whichever one they want. Now, yeah. what's we still don't know what Scotts is going to be. We don't, we don't. Um, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing that, you know. And that's one of those things too, where, uh, you know, uh, what is Henry Ford's area? If, if I asked people what they wanted, they would have said they wanted faster horses. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? So asking us what we want. Listen, I want the the like the, the you know the mad genius creators to come up with something great that I don't even think of. Right. You, you know what I mean? And so Scott and Scott Snyder and Jim Lee might be doing something you know that's maybe a little dark, but just is right on with the character. And you know you find something in there. We'll, well have Stan, to see. It. Stan always said, never give readers what they think they want. Right. And I mean, a lot of these guys, a lot of these great creators, have always said stuff like that. You know, it's same thing with Steve Jobs. Talked about that, you know. I don't want to give products that people know they want. I want to give people that they don't know they want. You create a whole new market. Exactly. So, I mean, we're going to see about that, you know. And the part of this too was I want we wanted to kind of parts. It's part speculation, but it's really more um, desire. Who we want to see take over the book and the direction we want to see the book take. Um, and I think we've all gone about done it all gone about it in slightly different ways. Steve has a, a rather lengthy outline in front of him. Uh, I wrote a little bit of an idea for like a, a idea for an arc as well as a, a, a artist and a writer. Um, I'm not I'm not sure what Bob ha, ha, has put together, um, but we are going to we're going to talk about. It. And also, we have some great responses from you guys about uh, what you want to see from a Superman book. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, you know, I'll start out. I'll go first. Um, so my idea. Uh, for taking over action, and this is more pie in the sky than would ever happen. But uh, um, I really love to see Alan Heinberg, who wrote Young Avengers, he wrote Children's Crusade, ah, um, and uh, Jamie McKelvey, who right now does Young Avengers with Kieran Gillen uh, on the art. Mm. Um, McKelvey because he does detailed, expressive stuff, but his stuff is is very energetic, very big, very bright, and and that's what I want the book to look like. You know, I I I think. 
in more than just this desire for DC to to lighten up stuff, I think if you want the book to hit, you know, you want it to be look a little bit different, you know. And but McKelvey isn't far enough out of the, you know, his stuff is still realistic, so it, it's not like you're going to this impressionist look mm-hmm. uh, for Superman. You're still staying within a, a, a certain a certain realism there. Um, and Heinberg is a writer because. You know, from reading Children's Crusade and reading Avengers stuff, he's great at the 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 lighter side stuff, the 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 um the kind of goofy, happy stuff. But he's also really good at the emotional punch. You know, the young uh, Children's Crusade pu- packs an, an intense emotional punch, and it's done so um, not through being overly overly serious or dark, but being serious when it needs to be serious and being light when it when it when it needs to be light and giving you characters that you care about and things happening to to those people uh, and I think it's uh the right situation for that. I mean, he is friendly with DC. He he is the one who's kind of <clears throat> trying to start up that uh Wonder Woman show uh, uh, on CW. So obviously has a relationship with them. Um you know, and big and bright and fun is kind of what I would want and I I don't want it to be silly, you know, but I think that, you know, much like Mark Wade talked about at that at convention, you know, take the character, strip it down and figure out what the character means and what it's about and sculpt a story and and situation around that. You know, I think I, I talked to you, Bob, the day after Captain America came out and I talked to you, I said, you know what, this is what DC has to look at if they're making a Superman movie, how to make, you know, Clark cool is because, you know. Steve does everything right. He 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 always wants to do the right thing. He he he's you know basically pure as the white driven snow. Mm-hmm. But he's still a badass, you know, and, and he still has an emotional storyline that that really really works. And you know, I'm not talking about a, a, a an origin tale or a reboot. I don't think you have to do that stuff again. You know, just a simplification and a central idea to build on top of um, is what I would like to see. Um, you know, I would like. Much, it's interesting because it's been done in slightly different ways. It's a little done in 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 JLA with El Stewart. Um, you know, DC does have this this uh, this dark tone, and, and uh, I would like the story to not be meta, but almost be like Clark sees it and goes, "This is this isn't right." Like the 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 world is so sad and divided, and uh, and a dark place to live. I need to be the one thing that's not that. I need to be the light. And instead of, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, they're doing this a little bit in the Injustice comic, but obviously in the, the opposite way where he takes over the world, <laughs> you know, uh, and it becomes a dictator, but in the opposite way, by his actions. But, and the cool thing is I have this idea that this first arc is kind of, he wants to be a symbol and he realizes the only way to do that is to first get these other symbols that surround him all the time to at least see where he's coming from. So I want the first arc to be almost single set adventures with Batman and Wonder Woman and the Flash and just showing them that there's more out there than this the sadness you've been living with for very good very good character reasons. You guys have reasons for it, but there's there's more out there and you need to show the people you know, and by our example, we need to show people that there is more out there than that. Um, and you know, people talk about his weaknesses and stuff, and how he's all powerful, and it's hard to relate. And I think that's a little bit of a BS. Out, I mean, Thor is all powerful, and right. he's very relatable if you make him that way. Um, 
you just have to, uh, you know, his weakness doesn't have to be, you know, he's sad about his parents or, you know, he, 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 he feels like an orphan. Like you can do that stuff and that stuff is room to play there, but that's been done a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, his real weakness to me is, is the fact that he is so good hearted and true and that he wants everything to be so right. And he wants to trust everyone so much that you can take advantage of those things, you know? And I think that one thing the new 52 has done very well so far is they've introduced new rogues into the world. Um, in an attempt to bolster their rosters, you know, and I think that this is a great opportunity for a great writer to come in and create a new nemesis. Because I love Lex Luthor; he's a great villain. We've seen so many Lex Luthor stories. You can bring him in later, or he can be part of the story, but not maybe the main antagonist, and do something with a new villain that you create who is, you know, Superman's a odd, a, a, a tough nut to crack because the hero not only has to, the villain not only has to be intelligent enough to take on Superman, but he has to be physically capable of taking him on. Or else you just get all those things that happen where the time the guy gets to him, it's just, oh, okay, I'm done, you know? Yeah. But you, and that's not satisfying. You want to see Superman doing some crazy big stuff. I mean, that's what's so cool about him. Uh, so you craft a villain that is, you know, smart enough to, to, to plot and, and take him on, but also strong enough that when it comes blow to blow, you can have some great, great, uh, you know, pathos for what's happened to them. And, you know, you can do other villains along the way. You know, do villains that are known along the way. You can have a Lex Luthor storyline. You can have a Brainiac storyline. You can have a Mr. Mixpixel storyline uh, or a Doomsday thing or whatever. But use them as almost the underlings to this grand plan, you know. Uh, and that's what I'd like to see from an action comics arc. That would be my, like, let's bring Superman back. Let's strip him down. Let's get him back to the basics. And let's, you know do the thing that's cool. my idea I like that Alan Heinberg and Jamie McKelvey I like your creative team and your ideas yeah. thank you very much you're welcome um, so I'll leave it to you guys who wants to go next I've got shorter to I, for bigger I think I should go because okay. I think we'll, I think we'll uh, the Bob will finish off on a brighter note okay um, okay I just want to I want to make a, a, a declaration <laughs> first um my Superman story or my idea for a Superman story is coming from somebody who knows very, very little about Superman. Mm -hmm. So if there are inconsistencies in my idea, uh, I will ask you to forgive them because I just don't know any better. <laughs> and uh, well, I also want to... he's not green. You know <laughs> that, don't you? But I also <laughs> want to say that there's a purpose. My, my story idea is rather dark, mm -hmm. but the purpose of my story being dark is that from the darkness, a light mm -hmm. will be born. Mm -hmm. That from this will come a brighter story mm -hmm. and, a, and a, a much bigger story. My idea is much more personal and um, bringing key characters into a isolated situation where you won't have outside sources mm -hmm. coming in. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, I had to write this down because it was pretty damn big. I'm not going to give you the creative team until the end because okay. I want you to have the story in your mind before I tell you who would okay. be uh, giving it to you. Okay. My Superman story is called The Labyrinthine. Okay. Whatever happened to all of those massive objects that Superman and his family have ever punched or thrown into the sky? Tanks, aircraft carriers, boulders, all of them hurtling towards the stratosphere at unfathomable speeds, left to either break apart or wander forever inside the vastness of space. Consider this. 
What if the trajectory of those objects were the same one too many times? What if after so many tanks and what have you crash landed on a forgotten prison planet that it ruptured the planet itself, causing a seismic disturbance that the Kryptonians never planned for? And now, as the splits and cracks spider down into the planet, they breach the confines of a Kryptonian-built prison tomb, uh, one that's held a tribe of alien mystics long thought to have been erased from Kryptonian history books. Buried deep within the planet's core, they have slept for all of these years, waiting for their chance to strike back at those who had imprisoned them. Led by Coil, a son of the now-dead mystic king and overseer of the Labyrinthine, orders those who have not died while inside the prison to gather the scattered pieces from objects littered uh, on their prison planet. They are to construct a vessel that will guide them to their uh, them and their remaining tribesmen to a new planet where they will construct a Labyrinthine-like prison, a prison meant for the incarceration of any Kryptonian left alive. Uh, flash forward to a scene where you find Clark, Kara, and Connor scattered to separate sections within the newly built prison constructed by the Labyrinthine. Disoriented, the three of them venture forward, finding themselves lost among the staking, uh, lead-based walls of the puzzling prison. Suddenly, a series of screens come to life, delivering the message of Coyle and the rest of his people. After a proper education of their history and incarceration by the Kryptonian people, the lead walls of the prison come apart to reveal that they um, that each and every corridor is inlaid with a varying uh, varying types of kryptonite. Red, green, gold, white, silver, and black shards adorn the walls, creating a series of crippling effects on our heroes. Uh, with the Labyrinthine watching and laughing from on high, the last of the Kryptonians must find their way uh, to escape the prison or die trying. Uh, so that's my idea. It's kind of a... Um, Sounds like a really good Star Trek episode. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like a science meets technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can introduce uh, you know, a new villain... And uh, the Coil mm-hmm. character, Coil, being you know a synonym for mm-hmm. labyrinth or puzzle, yeah. um, you could have you know this whole new alien race of people, and it's kind of like you know the mistake that uh, Krypton they mm-hmm. wiped it from their history books. Mm-hmm. They didn't want anybody knowing about it. They they at one time feared these mystics, these magic users, knowing that they could one day cripple them. They decided to imprison them. And they basically buried them within this this you know planet, and the whole time that Superman and so forth have been fighting here, and they're always chucking things into the sky. That it just so happened that one too many times something split and cracked, and it went all the way down to the bottom and breached some kind of a thing that allowed them to escape. Mm-hmm. They basically build a ship from the remains of these things being on the planet. And they go to another planet, and they like they raise the planet, they take it for themselves, and they build this prison. Like this is what they do. Mm-hmm. This is what their magic does. And they kidnap. I don't know how because I didn't get into that many <laughs> right, details. Yeah. But they basically kidnap, you know, the main players from Krypton, and they basically show them, you know, your people were 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 horrible mm-hmm. people. You might not have known this. This happened to us because of you. This is our revenge. This is what we want to do mm-hmm. to you kind of thing. Um, my creative team, I would uh, love for art and story to be done by J.H. Williams. I think mm-hmm. that he would do uh, a phenomenal job. But to counteract the um, kind of 
complicated and dark and um, just very intricate uh, panel work and just art in general of J.H. Williams. I would like that whenever they give the history of the events or they flash back Mm -hmm. to um, how everything happened, that basically everything inside of the labyrinth would be done by J.H., but the complementary art would be uh, the artist who actually did the art for the Hell on Earth, uh, who is Kenneth Rockefort. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not familiar with him entirely, and I'm not reading Hell or Heel or Heil or whatever. <laughs> but um, I love I love that look mm-hmm. for Superman. It's it's superhero-y enough. It's a little sketchy. It's a little uh, caricature-ish. Uh, the robots and and mechanics and stuff like that look really cool that if you had like a like an old old krypton it would look very majestic Mm -hmm. and you know very brand new while being really old Mm -hmm. um and i don't know and i think that from this it would show those characters uh they would all they by making it through this they would feel a need for redemption of their own kind Mm -hmm. that they would return to earth kind of with like a, a renewed purpose or a restored mm. purpose in bringing justice and bringing uh, a brighter, uh, you know, a brighter protection angle to mm. Metropolis and to the DC universe mm. in general. Mm. So that was my idea. I, I woke up this morning and I wrote it down. <laughs> and no. there you go. No, it's very good. Look, the whole idea of mysticism, if, if Krypton's a super science planet, mm. a race of people that are the their antithesis, the actual opposite, yeah. who deal with the world in a much different way, there'll be friction. Mm-hmm. You can see them wanting to lock them away forever being heretics. Oh, you, mm-hmm. you're not on, on board with science? Get lost. Yeah, Go yeah. live in a cave somewhere. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really nice. Nicely thought out. And I promise that David Bowie's codpiece will make an appearance. <laughs> Jareth. You okay? Labyrinth, come yeah, on, Labyrinth, man. Yeah. Never saw it. What? <laughs> uh, sorry. Oh, oh. Sorry. Bob, we're off to you now. Okay. Um, first things first. Uh, I think in a lot of cases, what's gone wrong with the portrayal of Superman is the focus more on the otherness aspect mm-hmm. of it. That he's from uh, right now. The whole Superman Wonder Woman thing is, is mm. tell you know, it's very telling. It's about that. Yeah. Um, just to go to a, it's the last page of Man of Steel six from back in mm. 1986, where Superman has just discovered his Kryptonian ancestry and mm. been given memories from Krypton and so on and so forth. Well, why don't and, you before you read that? Why don't you tell people what Man of the Man of Steel is? Oh, Man of Steel. Uh, here we go. In 1986, <laughs> after the cri- I, I assume everybody knows. I yeah. forget everyone's not as old as I am. That's not possible. Um, <laughs> after the crisis, uh, DC went to John Byrne, who was you know on fire over at Marvel with Alpha Flight and Fantastic Four, whatever, and asked him to do something with Superman as they were moving forward. They were uh, looking to change things up. He said, okay, I'll work within your continuity and I'll recreate Superman. We'll pare away some of the nonsense and come back to the core mm. of this. No, reboot the whole thing. Start mm. from scratch. You went, okay, if you want me to do that, I'll give you Superman. There'll be no Superboy. Mm-hmm. He'll be learning who he is as we go. And he went through 50 years of continuity, radio shows, cartoon, George Reeves, r- newspaper strips. Mm-hmm and found the things that work and the things that didn't and moved it all around and got this all prepared. And then they said at the last minute, you mean he's learning to be Superman? (laughs) Yeah, we already discussed this, right? No, we don't want to do that. Well, wait a minute. 
you, we agreed to that. We sort of signed contracts. You want me to reboot or not? Well, we'd like you to reboot, but maybe not reboot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they went. he went his own way, and he did this for a couple of years, but he really boiled it all down. We got the, the Origins, which are here, the Man of Steel uh, six-issue miniseries. They renumbered Superman as Adventures of. They went to action as a team-up book, and more of Wolfman involved, Jerry Ordway, Dan Jurgens eventually. Uh, but... Six issues in here, we get Superman finally really learns who he is. And he's now been um, their panel after panel of him finding uh, memories from Jarrell and Lara and what's gone on here. But at the end of all that, uh, I'll try to do this as quickly as I can. Uh, he's standing in a lovely full page, mm-hmm. you know, very heroic Superman pose. Um, I'll cherish always the memories Jarrell and Lara gave me, but only as curious mementos of a life that might have been. Krypton bred me, but it was Earth that gave me all I am, all that matters. It was Krypton that made me Superman, but it's the Earth that makes me human. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think too much of that's been lost over the years for whatever. It, it makes, this makes for a more interesting story. Yeah. So to me, in a very short thing, what I'd want to see in a Superman story arc, starting off in action, is some sort of world-destroying event. That we can have a villain or not, it could be meteors, whatever, mm-hmm. the earth itself coming to an end, time displacement, doesn't matter. Right. That forces Superman to reconnect with humanity. Mm-hmm. The people who will, who he loves who will be affected by this, whether it's the folks back in Smallville, Lana and Lois, Jimmy, Perry, the whole bunch. Um, and in that struggle to reconnect with them, re- find something new in himself that allows him to overcome this. And then becomes that symbol that has been missing for so long. Where Superman should be the centerpiece of the DC universe and hasn't been for a very long time. That he's the only character in the universe that can stop whatever that is that's going wrong. Mm-hmm. And creates that change that we're, I think we're all looking for here. It's yeah. interesting in all the stories we're, we're talking about here. We need something like that. Mm-hmm. As to who would do this, um, we, I have, we have a whole list I think we have, we have listeners to. We'll be yeah. bouncing some others back and forth. Of the people that are on their roster now, rather than playing with you right, know, yeah. my own fantasy things here, I would certainly not be averse to Paul Levitz and Kevin McGuire, who are doing World's Finest doing mm-hmm. this. But I would want to see, uh, she did write action for a while while Byrne was doing it, Gail Simone. I'd want to see Amanda Connor do Superman. The emotional highlights that she could bring, especially with the deepening of her work in Silk Spectre which was certainly the highlight of that before Watchmen, I want to see scenes of, you know, Clark and Lois, because he is Clark, after all. I want to see those scenes done by someone who can deliver people in, in real clothes, standing in a real room, mm-hmm. and feeling real human emotion. Yeah. So if, if, I, were, if I were picking from people I could have, mm-hmm. it would be those two. That's, I mean, that's a, a, great, a great team. Um, interesting enough, like, just when the quotes you're, quote you're talking about reminded me of, uh, voiceover in uh, in uh, the Man of Steel trailer, and it's a Jor-El voiceover. And he says, "You will give the people an ideal to strive towards. They'll race behind you. They will stumble. They will fall. But in time, they will join you in the sun. In time, you will help them accomplish wonders." That's it. Yeah, <laughs> it's the whole ball of wax right there. I could have saved ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting to think of the people who are on their roster. You know. Um, and who could really do it? I think I didn't think of Levitz and McGuire. That's a really good, a really good call. I mean, we'll turn to our listeners real quick. They had they had some ideas. Um, this is from Samuel Moon. He says, 
Superman is my favorite character, and there have been so many great creators who have worked on the Man of Steel, like John Byrne, George Perez, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, Kurt Swan, and the list goes on and on. I would love to see Scott Snyder. Oh, wait. How about Mm -hmm. Jeff Lemire as writer? I really love his Superboy run from a few years back and anything else he has written. And for the artist, I would like to see Mike Allred. I know he's a Marvel guy, but I I love to see a Superman. In fact, I love to see a lot of the current Marvel creators take a shot at Supes, Matt Fraction, Superman, or Jonathan Hickman's action comics. On on my little list, uh, either Fraction... Fraction certainly, but the FF teams. Fraction Mark Bagley yeah. who can certainly do it, but mm. a Fraction All Red Superman. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is Pretty from he's sparkly. This is from Daniel Zerpak. He says, "I would like to see DC make action comics have more of the straightforward Superman arcs that involve his more well-known villains." I've been a huge mm-hmm. fan of the direction Greg Hurwitz has taken the Dark Knight title. It's an action-filled book that simply delivers a clean Batman story, and that's what I'd like to see action become for Superman. As for creative teams, I'll go with Hurwitz writing, and although ultra-muscular Superman isn't always a fan favorite, my favorite Superman artist has always been Ed Bennis, who did Bat- yeah. the Batgirl for a, mm-hmm. a, a, a much of the Gail Simone's run on the New 52. Um, James Beasley Graves says Mark Wade, but that's just a dream. Uh, with Jeff Parker coming to DC with all these digital titles, maybe they could talk him into this. That'd be awesome. <gasps> Is on your list, Bob? Yeah, with Neil Edwards, who's been oh, doing yeah. Dark Avengers, mm-hmm. which is just so great. Mark Wade's on my list, yeah, too, of course. Of course. Um, uh, let's see. Um, this is from Christian, the name that no one can say. Uh, I think action comics should go rotating and just be nice, short, one-shot, or few-issue arc stories. If they go that route, I might be open to picking it up. It should be like Avenging Spider-Man. That would be perfect. Nice stories like they did with Starlight, Star Bright. Um, so he thinks it should be hmm. more, you know, like a brave and the bold, like team a brave up and the bold team of books. Sort of well, book. under burn action was that way. Mm-hmm. It was Superman and somebody. Yeah. There were a couple of doubles. So it was actually, he did the, uh, crossover between wonder woman when George Perez was doing wonder woman, mm-hmm. where they went back and forth. Both those names are on my list too, who will never do Superman again. <laughs> George Perez would be amazing, obviously, but he, had, I think DC had parted company. Yeah. And burn will work for them, right? Well, ever, <laughs> but uh, we're, we've got some good stuff coming here from yeah. folks here. What do we have next? And I think the Avenger thing is is actually a very good, very good idea. And in in some ways, the arc I was talking about, I kind of had seeds of that, having him kind of team up with all these people. Mm-hmm. But it, mine was part of a larger uh, story arc. Um, this is from Barnes McClear. He says, "I've never been a fan of DC's Golden Boy, but imagine if Hickman was on board and it was his typical years plotted in advance." He could bring in some universe-spinning characters like General Zod and Darkseid. I'd love to see Goran Parlov on a marquee title uh, like this. I don't know who Goran Parlov is as uh, an artist. I have to say so, I don't either. Um, sorry to plead ignorance on that one. But um, Hickman's a great idea. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, who's at Gathering Comic 2M uh, on Twitter, said Mark Wade and Chris Samney. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, would be a great idea. Yeah. Um, Joey Martinez, uh, Joey underscore Napalm 7H on Twitter says, Mark Millar and JG Jones would be an amazing team. They, they're among the few people who make me like reading, looking at a Superman story. JG Jones is amazing. Yeah. Uh, very painterly, very yeah. re- ultra realistic. Mm-hmm. Mark Millar, sure. Yeah. Prime Lewis from Fox is not <laughs> yeah. going to happen, but yeah, yeah I, that'll work. Like I just creates his own characters. That's all he really does yeah. anymore, um, which is nothing wrong with that. That's great. Yeah. Uh, this is a Walt Keegan is at Avant 1963 uh, uh, on Twitter says, N- uh, no time to think about Superman, 
Bioshock Infinite is here. Yes, it is. <laughs> and by the way, the the I'm sorry that I kept saying numbers and letters at the end. Like it's at just at Joey underscore Napalm. Seven H is seven hours ago. Yeah. Oh, but when I printed it out, it, it like, squishes it all together. Uh, the same for it. it yeah. So there you go. <laughs> nice. Forget those numbers. Yeah. Um, uh, John D. Who this is John D. Uh, on Twitter says Scott Snyder and Jim Lee are already a dream team. They just need to put put them on action, make it happen. DC. Um, I mean that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if if they took over an ongoing action title. Um, at Dave Nelson, uh, seventeen says. Super, Superman, he wants Superman stories that consider those who haven't followed the Man of Steel that closely. Something at least semi-relatable. Um, at Lobster Johnson says, uh, <laughs> I think that Brian K. Vaughn and J.G. Jones could be pretty awesome. So we got two J.G. Mm. Jones uh, recommendations. What else did he do, J.G. Jones? Um, he's worked with Brian Azzarello a lot. I don't, I mean, he's doing, he actually, he did the comedian uh, uh, yeah. before Watchmen thing. That's something you might have seen, but. Did a couple of great Black Widow minis. Mm-hmm. Back in the old days, uh, yeah, I don't know. I have to look him up. Um, his art is is gorgeous, though. Um, uh, this is from. Uh, oh, sorry. We had we had another um, another call from Mark Wade and Chris Samney uh, on a Superman title. <laughs> I was going to say Mark Wade and Phil Noto, who's about to take over Thunderbolts, but just did yeah. Ghost, yeah, and did the first wave back when they were doing Batman and the shadow as if it was some mm. 40s universe that didn't happen uh in some ways i wouldn't be averse to seeing they don't have this they don't have golden age that they, they, they threw that all away right seeing an early superman mm-hmm. a really early superman meaning old cars old right yeah oh i see what you're saying yeah i mean that would be cool i would love to i love stuff like that in general like the the new frontier stuff yeah, or uh, rocketeer the, yeah also, uh, some, yeah a vibe like that yeah i mean that would be that would be fantastic to see um and you know i i'll say this i think dc is very good at doing those kind of elseworlds you know one-off graphic novel takes like what was it batman uh death by design yeah yeah uh, which was you know stellar um i'd love to see them do stuff like that uh with that character uh, but guys, thank you so much. Uh, a ton of great uh, feedback there and great suggestions. Um, yeah, I think the Jeff Parker thing is actually a pretty realistic uh, maybe for for taking over mm-hmm. th- that book. Uh, I, I mean, he's obviously he's not. I don't after Thunderbolts is over. Does he? Uh, he still has Red She Hulk right at, at Marvel, but I guess he he's obviously not exclusive because he's writing over there. Um, yeah, it could be interesting. I mean, I, I you know, I think there are, are guys who can take it over who could do a really good job. I mean, I think that um, Pete Tomasi, who's been writing Batman and Robin and Green Lantern Corps, uh, could, be, could be great. And I, I think that he's one of those guys. He's you know, he's a workman, you know, and he, and he can. I think his style adapts to different mm-hmm. characters and different takes. Wouldn't mind seeing Jerry Ordway back. He writes and draws the thing. Yeah, and did a great job for years and, yeah. and did their Captain Marvel for years as well. Very, very well. Yeah, I don't think I you talked about this on the show. I read. Uh, Power of Shazam. Ah, oh. uh, Jerry Ordway. Uh, I guess it's a. It's a. Was it a graphic novel? Was graphic it like a, novel? It was a graphic novel yeah, and became the series. Yeah, it's yeah. an or is the origin of, of the character. Mm-hmm. It was great. It was great. Beautiful. Uh, the art is is absolutely yeah. gorgeous. I think the last thing he did for them was the Challengers. On the DC oh yeah, presents. It, yeah. DC presents. Yeah, I mean he was working with the co- like that, and he'd been working with the company up through you know very very recently. But yeah, I mean. I would love to. S- I, I I I do think that creators, older creators, would be a very good move for DC with on the Superman front, you know, because I I think that 
that like what's happening in world's finest that mix of kind of the old style and the new style uh, is something that I, I think just works so well uh with what's going on there uh, now. and with superman particularly because you do need i think you need to have it stand out from mm-hmm. everything else yeah and maybe you need that different perspective of age in this case yeah i think maybe brian q miller would be great that would yeah. be awesome at it i mean he doesn't have any uh, uh you know, I'm DC 52 book with them right now. And he said, there's a big announcement in the works. I don't know if anything to do with that, but, uh, would be cool to see him on there. I'd like to see Yale Stewart, at least write it. I don't yeah. know if he can, right. if he, if his style yeah. would adapt mm-hmm. to a straight book yeah. or if he, if he could change his own style mm-hmm. up, but he has such a handle on those characters in JL eight that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I no, think absolutely. he could do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's our take, um, on the Superman, uh, issue i guess i'm not gonna call it a problem nice. uh issue uh if you guys have any opinions about it again you know at talking comics on twitter info at talkingcomicbooks.com or talking comic books uh facebook.com slash talking comics and also i did pull a bunch of comments from the actual website this week so if you guys comment on uh, on the the podcast post uh on the site at talkingcomicbooks.com I'll also take that stuff too if I find those comments uh, to be good. We really want to incorporate all of those things into our show. Um, we did get a lot of listener feedback this week, and I want to say, whoop, I want to talk into the mic first, but um, <laughs> I do want to say that people responded greatly to the piracy conversation we had last week. We got a lot of comments, and I'm going to read some of them out uh, on the show. Uh, today, um, but uh, with all the topics we talked about last week, we got a lot of great responses, and I want to thank you guys. Um, none of them start with R. No, none of them start with That's R. Too big. Uh, <laughs> I've got a, a lot of papers in front of me right now, and I'm trying to sort them out. Uh, Shiver me timbers, matey. All right, so uh, this is actually this is a man. This is a remorseless <laughs> eating machine. <laughs> this is actually a follow up by uh, Kevin, who sent us the piracy. Um, email last week. He followed up after our, our conversation. And he said, first off, thanks for reading and discussing my email about piracy. And I totally agree with the vast majority of what you said. However, I didn't really make it clear in my previous email that I do, in fact, uh, take the same approach to piracy as you guys. I regularly get mocked by people I know for owning so many comics, collected editions, DVDs, etc. when they are so easily accessible online for free. To this, my response is always the same. If it wasn't for people like me paying for these DVDs, comics, etc., then they wouldn't get made at all for all of you to to take them then amen uh, i use piracy as a way to find the things i think deserve the money so i'm not wasting what little i have that said thanks again for your time and keep up the good work um this is from uh ryan carroll uh ryan! also about piracy he says uh, i enjoyed your discussion on piracy this week the variation of your viewpoints was quite intriguing i've never pirated a comic myself and i'm generally against the practice but i wouldn't go crazy and be infuriated at somebody if they had pirated something I completely understand that people may not have enough luxury money to spend on comics or that a comic might be out of print, and I suppose I could ignore piracy if it were only justified by these reasons. However, I don't think that someone buying comics that they had previously pirated is um, is justification for pirating them in the first place. A person who pirates several comics and later buys only the ones that they enjoyed is cheating the system, in my opinion. You cannot receive the full experience from a given comic and choose not to buy it because you didn't like it. It defies our economic system's principles. You can't just read everything. I say everything, not in the literal sense, but for purpose of argument, and only pay for what you ended up liking. It's not how the system works, and it's frankly unfair. 
This is different from reading at the store, of course. With this, you're not getting the full experience that those who pirate have access to. It's not right. In any case, thanks for reading this email, assuming, of course, that you did. Mm-hmm. And I've had these opinions rattling around in my brain for quite some time, and I'm happy I have the opportunity to share them. Keep up the good work. Um, and he said, I apologize if you find this message difficult to read. I've been firing on all cylinders. For, I haven't been firing on all cylinders for the past few days. I have a bit of trouble structuring my thoughts very well. Oh. Ryan, most... People should be lucky enough to not structure their thoughts as well as you do. Um, Gee, it's like I say, you sample at the salad bar, and then what you don't like, you vomit back up yeah. into into the, into the tomatoes. <laughs> yeah, is the image I had in my head as you were reading that. That's that would be uh, not a good thing to do. No. Um, Another, Sorry, folks. <laughs> another comment on piracy. This is from Patrick uh, Repstones on Twitter. He says, as regards to the piracy issue, can't say I've ever pirated, a com- ever pirated comic books. Movies and music are another issue entirely, but even then I have my standards. For instance, anything with actors I really like, such as Kurt Russell, assumes he was retired with Goldie Hawn, or Mr. Tom Cruise, <laughs> I'll gladly pay my money for their effort. Directors such as John Carpenter, I'm a total Carpenter fanboy, or Spielberg, I'll give my money to gladly. I used to feel the same way about Mel Gibson, but that was before he went off in his crazy anti-Semitic hot air balloon. <laughs> now, well, <laughs> that's great. Uh, now, well, I wouldn't pay for his stuff. Same goes for music-wise, artists I really like. I'll fork over the cash. Stuff I'm not sure I like. Uh, well, dot dot dot. <laughs> um, and he says, as regards to actors I love who are dead, like John Cassavetes or Bob Mitchum. Well, they're dead, so I'm not putting them out of pocket through piracy. Same with musicians <laughs> like Elvis. Is he dead? I mean, really. Um, I have pirated books before, but they are expensive academic stuff. I'm more than happy to give James Lee Burke and Elmore Leonard my cash, which brings me to another issue. Um, burb, burb, Bob, I heard you uh, mention... Burb, I like that. <laughs> burb. Uh, I heard you mention Steinbeck's Of Mice and Men. Great, great book. Oh, and then, then, he, then you, had a, you had a discussion right with him about that, so we're yeah, not going to okay. go into that. Um, uh, but yeah. Um, I will say that I disagree just because the actors are dead the people who paid for the movie to get made are still making money off you buying the movie the actors probably weren't getting paid anyway <laughs> so yeah. you know that's a little bit of a different story um, and we had a really interesting one uh, Leonardo Neves on Twitter uh, messaged and said people in other countries don't have comic stores so they pirate comics aren't available in their country and he sent me a picture of a letter that was in the recent, most recent Walking Dead uh, comic where someone, um, I gotta find Columbia, uh, you know, said that they could not find, uh, they didn't sell it in their country, so they get wow. via illegal download. Um, and it's part of it was a still I tried to get your stuff legally, uh, but wasn't able to until recently when you started shipping worldwide from the Skybound online store. So that even though it cost me almost double to get your books, I ordered the first two paperbacks and a T-shirt. And yes, indeed, I plan to keep buying the rest of the paperbacks. Because I do understand the importance of supporting the creators and the stuff you like. Huzzah. So, very interesting. Even this person in their country, you know, decided to find some way to pay for it legally. Um, and, you know, we, we have a, a ton more. We got we got a, a bunch of more comments on it. Um, and I want to thank everybody for writing in, but we only have so much time. So And a lot of other stuff uh, from listeners uh, to get through. Um I want to read real quick. Uh, we have a listener question from Harry Jackson, and he uh, wants to Harry. know, Hi, TC fam. I sent this to the Twitter account, but I may have more room here to elaborate. I recently bought an iPad, and I'm looking to build my digital library with all the Marvel books that have been coming out with the digital download codes. I started peeling off the stickers and entering the codes when a horrible thought came to me. I'm defacing my comic books. 
by peeling off the sticker, am I ruining the condition of the comics? What say you guys? Is it okay to redeem the coach, which is supposedly part of the three ninety nine price point for these books, or should I leave them alone to preserve their value? Keep up the great work and stay awesome, Harry. And he wants Rob to come back to Twitter also. So Yeah, a lot of people are uh, clamoring for Rob to come back to Twitter. He uh, Just for those of you who are wondering, I'm sure he wouldn't mind me sharing this information, um, Rob's account had become hacked uh, quite yeah. a ways back, about maybe a month or so. And, um, and then there were further uh, computer-related issues going on within the house that he just hasn't had a secure... Um, computer-like situation mm-hmm. to rejoin Twitter. He even tried reacting, uh, reactivating his account, and it yet again got uh, torn down for one reason or another. Um, he does miss all of you, but he is also enjoying his uh, silence and vacation <laughs> from Twitter as well. But uh, he will be coming back. It's not intentional that he doesn't interact with anybody anymore. He still loves you all. <laughs> He's just uh, recuperating from that and still trying to figure everything out so that he can come back safely and say hello to everyone. So, um, Terry's question, what do you think about the way that peeling the stickers off affects the price of the book? Well, I would say this. Um I mean, if you if you intend on holding on to your books, if you keep them all, you're not looking to resell them on eBay, you're not looking to resell them to shops, um, I don't think that taking off the stickers to get the most out of what you paid for your book uh, is defacing the book. Certainly, if you wanted to sell it to someone, they, you know, and you claim that it would be in near mint condition because... After you'd taken off the the sticker, you know, you did keep it with a bag and board or you just, you know, you did whatever Mm. to keep it in whatever uh, best condition possible. Uh, I think it's just a personal thing. I don't I have plenty of books that, you know, often or at least we we haven't for a while, but we we will um, (laughs) give away, you know, free codes and and stuff when they become available and whatnot. Um, I personally don't feel that it that it devalues the book in any way. I think that if somebody had come at you for taking the sticker off and perhaps sharing the book with someone else that if they criticized you for that, that they would be in the wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I mean, you, you regardless of whether you sell it or whoever, whatever hands it ends up with in, in the end or who it passes on to, you paid for the book. You're the original owner of the book. The book was yours to do what mm-hmm. you will. I think he's more worried that if he wants to resell the books, like that it takes, it will take the grading of the book down. It, you know, it won't be in mint condition. Uh, it could. Yeah, but. Peel away. Yeah. First of all, <laughs> except in very rare occasions to this point, none of this is worth anything. Yeah. Shh, don't <laughs> tell anybody. Um, walking Dead number one. Something's going to be worth money if that mm-hmm. had a digital code you took uh, yeah. 10% of it away. Mm-hmm. The books are really worth money. You're getting put into a CGC vault anyway. Yeah. Peel away. Enjoy it. You paid for it. Yeah. Go for it. I, I feel the same way. You know, I, believe me, I don't, want, I, don't, I don't want my books to get ruined, mostly because I want to be able to read them. You know, I don't want them to be in unreadable condition. Yeah. You know, Superior Spider-Man number six is not going to be worth anything. It's going to end up, you know, you know in, the, in a dollar bin in, in 10 yeah. years. Because they printed so many of them, it, you know, it's not 
it's just not the same way that it used to be. I don't, no, you know. No, this is not clipping a coupon to send away for a subscription right. where you've actually lost three panels, yeah, <laughs> or whatever, or or part of the letters page. There's actually a hole in the book. You've taken an inclusion off of another inclusion. Mm. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Peel away, Harry. It's a book within a book, mm. and you're entitled to both. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You're entitled to both. Yeah, and I I don't think again this is a little bit of a. Uh, Uncharted territory right now because they've never been there before. So what people are going to expect on the reseller market, you know, but if you look something like video games or to movies, nobody expects the digital code that you bought with the movie to be in the used version you sold back to wherever, Mm -hmm. you know. So you want the booklet or DLC passcodes? Yeah, DLC yeah. passcodes or the online pass to get on. You know what? That stuff is, doesn't transfer. So look to those other mediums. I think in thinking about it, um, you, you know, maybe people who sell digital codes will get you know fifty cents more for a book that they try to sell. But I, I think in a certain amount of years time, it's not going to matter anymore. Um, Agreed. But thank you very much for writing in. As always, uh, this is from. Uh, Travis Willock, um, he said, uh, and the subject of his email is being Batman, not all it's cracked up to be. Uh, First off, I want to thank you all for providing such an entertaining podcast. It's something I always download every Wednesday morning before work and provides a welcome alternative to the ho-hum conversations of my coworkers, mostly about (laughs) dancing with the stars. Uh, uh, The four of you have great chemistry and I trust each of your opinions. Uh, Now on to my question. I've been reading nearly every Batman book at DC right now. I understand that each of these titles are all in the same continuity, but how can the events of Batman Inc. even begin to sync with something like Death in, uh, of the Family? I mean, if Batman is dealing with Leviathan, the death of his son, and the return of the Joker, all in the same time period, it must suck to be the caped crusader. Uh, I feel bad for the guy, honestly. Uh, the same continuity issues pop up in the Avengers and X-Men books as well. I was wondering, how do you approach each different title and keep everything uh, straight? And he says, P.S., I would love to hear a special edition podcast where Bob goes over the history of comics decade by decade. I grew up in the 90s, so I remember the whole image explosion and the collectible covers, etc. I'd love to hear Bob's take on everything. So we'll have to bring that to you at some time in the future, Travis. Yeah, I'll come dressed for each decade. Yeah. Comic my Masterpiece fedora Theater. For the, yeah. for the 40s, yeah. I'll exactly. get my smoking jacket dun, out, dun, 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 uh, How do we approach all these interconnected books? Yeah. It was a lot simpler when there weren't so many titles with any one given title. You know, there was one Spider-Man. If you happen to swing past Daredevil, oh, isn't that cool? Yeah. You know, we got a little crazy with all this. I think it's just simpler to enjoy the books you're reading Mm because not everyone's reading all 13 bad books or all nine X-Men. Yeah. Read the ones you like for how they connect. If they Mm -hmm. don't seem to make sense... You got to remember, a nine-issue arc of a comic book might take place in three days. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of time to sneak it all in in the sort of elastic, expanding time frame of these books. There's a way. Yeah, and I, I think for me, it's just don't sweat it. You know, I, I just don't sweat it. You know, if, if books are specifically connected together. You know, um, if some of the AVX fell into those things, right? Yeah, something that's an ongoing storyline, or something that's a direct spin-off of a storyline. That I, I will sometimes sometimes get a little bit tricky with just because sometimes it takes away from the larger story being told when you can't place where certain events are happening. Um, but for stuff like this, like the yes, technically Batman Inc. and the other Batman books take place in the same continuity, but in actuality, they really don't. 
You, you know what I mean? Um, and for all intents and purposes. Uh, and also, like you said, Bob, Death of the Family took took place over like a couple of days. Mm-hmm. You know, Batman Inc. is a storyline that takes place over years and weeks. And, you know, there are times where we're not seeing what Batman's doing in, in those inner, inner cut times. Uh, and unless specifically negated by a writer... It, you know, it, 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 I think it still works out, but I just go back to what Fraction said when we interviewed him. He, I don't want to read comic books that are about comic books. Yeah. You know? And so that's why it doesn't really, I love continuity, but I don't sweat it. What do you think, Steve? Uh, no, I think you said it best. I mean, I, I struggle personally with continuity of comics all the time. I mean, just recently, a friend of mine, collected every issue all 75 issues that had to that were tied into the avx event Mm -hmm. uh it was his goal to get one of each and he did it and i'm very proud of him (laughs) very sad for his wallet but very proud of him and um he had to go online and he had to search through three different um websites posting that they knew the proper order to read that that event in and it was it was something. It took him like a good half hour to to stack all the books, to place them in, figure it out, mm-hmm. make sure he had everything. Um, the Batman books, uh, everything going on in uh, all new X Men, Wolverine, and and the X Men, just all these all these interconnected and interwoven stories or anything. Um, I try not to. If, I feel like if I think about it for too much, it's going to start to mm-hmm. detract from my enjoyment of the stories That's because I, I'm, I'm too busy trying to say, well, if this is Wednesday and mm-hmm. this is Wednesday afternoon and that's Thursday morning, yeah. <laughs> then yeah. what, 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 you know, what, what the mm-hmm. hell happened? I just, it's, it's tough. It's really tough, and there's no there's no definitive way of knowing. So I wouldn't even I don't even bother. Like you said, like don't even sweat it. Enjoy the stories for what they are. If they cross over, they cross over, and you get to see your you know your other favorite characters interacting with people. And if it doesn't, and you get standalone stuff, then that's great too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, think larger continuity that you don't want characters to be off model that you don't want things to happen that totally contradict something else yeah. how yeah. they exactly cross into mm-hmm. what right. place my favorite bit of continuity fix it's journey into mystery 112 it's, so it's three or so years into thor and it's about a year or so after avengers 3 the hulk has quit at the end of avengers 2 he joins up with the submariner to fight the avengers because mm-hmm. he can't stand him and the submariner doesn't like anybody at that point between panels, Journey into Mystery 112 happens where the Hulk and Thor go off in some time-stopped universe so they can prove which one's stronger if he doesn't have the hammer, and they beat each other senseless for 20 pages of Jack Kirby wonderment. And then it goes right back in. They, they both turn back up down a hallway when the rest of the Avengers show up between the panels they just missed. Great. And it was a little footnote from Stan. Oh, by the way, this happened here. <laughs> Great. Well, I mean, even more recently with the Superior Spider-Man stuff, I know that when Age of Ultron first started, I mean, I know Age of Ultron was written quite a while ago Mm -hmm. before all the Superior stuff started. Um, I was confused. Mm -hmm. I didn't know whether or not, like, you know, did Otto get a sense of humor Mm -hmm. all of a sudden for this (laughs) story? And that's just the way it was being written, that he's just gotten used to trying, like, pretending to be Peter to his friends so much so that he's got it down. And I found out that it is supposed to be Peter Parker. I think. Well, 
I, I we said that, and I said that, uh, but I saw you know slot. I mean, they didn't say that. They said the Superior Spider Man is the Spider Man of continuity right now in the six one six universe. So I, I think they're holding that close to their chest because they're. There, there's gonna be revelations about what Age of Ultron actually is. Okay, but they, you know, they clearly said that you know, anytime you see Spider-Man in Six One Six Universe right now, it is the Superior Spider-Man. All right, well, there you go. See, I, all right, and here's, and I know Stephanie had had said something. She made the argument uh, two weeks back that you know we have the internet, mm-hmm. so there's really no excuse not to know what's going on or or what mm-hmm. Earth is which, and I still wholly disagree with that. I'm not a person that goes in search of these things on the internet. I'm too busy reading the books that I I don't go online to find out. And all I ever find, I don't find anything concrete. I find other fans talking about it, and I don't know whether or not I can trust them to know whether it's you know superior or not. So it becomes very confusing. Yeah, that I you know. Well, if it seems like it's Peter by action, mm-hmm. then by extension, you have to. One have to could infer, but I do agree with you. I think the book should be the book, and I don't believe that you should have a, need a guide to read a book that you're mm-hmm. currently yeah. reading. If you want to catch up on something, that's a different story, um, and internet is a great tool for that. But yeah, you shouldn't have to go there no. to figure the story out. It's Absolutely. the same thing with movies too. When uh, Mulholland Drive came out, David Lynch, there was a whole like essay that he wrote about explaining it. Your girlfriend wrote one too. I should not <laughs> have to read that to understand Mulholland Drive. You know, it should be in the movie. So I've, I, I really do believe that about it's um, all stories. about the hobo in the alleyway. <laughs> um, we had a uh, email from Jesse and it said. Um, just wanted to thank you and your crew for the great podcast. It keeps me awake and extremely entertained on my long drives home from work at 2 a.m. Um, I'm a huge DC fan and just now started reading the new 52 Suicide Squad. I love this book. The writing, the art, all great. Could you tell me more about the author and the artist? What else have they done? Also, have you read the old Suicide Squad books and are they worth reading? Um, Adam Glass is the writer. I, the only thing I've ever read from him is Suicide Squad, but he did some work at Marvel. He wrote the Luke Cage noir book that was pretty good um he wrote a uh, like a deadpool mini called deadpool pulp and one of the flashpoint spinoffs called uh legion of doom so that that's you want to look at from that stuff that's what he has um written um bob did you read old suicide squad like the ostrander stuff little bits and pieces i read some of that that led to oracle Mm -hmm. and a few of the gail simones but not too many gotcha okay uh, and the artists have the arts changed several times on the uh, on the Suicide Squad book, so I don't know which exact artist uh, you you were into. Um, so I mean, if you want to email us back and let us know specifically, uh, do that. Uh, from all I've heard, I mean, I've heard lots of people talk about it. I've heard Jeff Johns talk about it. Like Jeff Johns says that the the Ostrander uh, Suicide Squad is the thing that inspired him to write in comics. Oh, uh, you know, even more yeah. than his love of the Flash and stuff like that. So. Uh, his biggest inspiration, I guess, on what he does. So if you want to check out the original stuff, I think that's you probably are pretty good with that. Um, this is more of a comment. This is from Adam, uh, and it's a reply to uh, our, us talking about uh, our influences, our inspirations, and the stories we love the most. Uh, he says, last week you guys talked about books you love and books you will read over and over. Well, that book for me would be The Name of the Wind. I read it maybe once every other year. I have told all my friends about it, even the ones who don't read, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this, but they have all come back to tell me the book was amazing. <clears throat> it's some of the best writing I've ever read. These There are two books out right now, The Name of the Wind and the sequel, The Wise Man's Fear. 
I, along with everyone else my age, loved sci-fi movies growing up, Star Wars, Jurassic Park, uh, fantasy movies like Lord of the Rings, but I didn't read much fantasy except for comic books. I read the first four Harry Potters, but there was a time period where I wasn't really reading anything. The Name of the Wind changed all that for me. My buddy one day told me, you have to read this. Uh, you must promise me you'll read this. Uh, this is the one, one of the best fantasy novels I've ever read. I was hesitant at first, but after a few chapters in, I was hooked. Uh, thank God it was the weekend because I canceled all my plans and read the book from cover to cover. And while I'm glad I, I did, I don't want to spoil anything about the book. All I can say is Patrick, uh, spent about 15 years planning it out. Uh, the words flow so smoothly on paper. You can tell he took his time. I really hope one of you guys check this out because I know if I get one of you hooked, you, you all will be love this. Sh- oh, sorry. Sorry. I just added it to my, uh, my wish list, uh, on Amazon. So nice. I will, I will check it out. Love the show as always. And I'll leave you the quote with George R. R. Martin, George R. R. Martin regarding uh, the Name of the Wind series. The wise man's fear was worth the wait. I gulped it down in a day, staying up almost to dawn, reading, and I, I'm already itching for the next one. He's bloody good, this Rothfuss guy. George R. R. Martin, author of Game of Thrones. Rothfuss. Um, so thank you very much. That's, it's yes. really, really cool to hear uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, and closing out, a real quick, uh, this is... Um, once again, Christian has been very well represented in this show, but he wrote something into us. Um, it's also going to be in, uh, it should be in the Todd Comics Presents as well. He talked about comic book pricing and kind of if comic books are really as expensive as we think they are. And he sent me something with charts and all this great explanation. So check it out there. But um, he says, I hear a lot of gripes about the cost of comic books and I really am wondering why. Comics are not any more expensive than they ever have been. The reason is due to inflation and not a change in material costs or greed. A comic book in the 90s was about $1.25, and it's t- today it's about $3.99, give or take. If you look at the price comparison in relation to the change in the value of the dollar, um, which is done by examining the M3 money supply and commodity pricing, it, beca- it becomes very clear that the change is mostly inflation. Um, while changes in paper and ink might tick up the cost, it would be a marginal at best because new technologies only serve to make the impact much less. So he says, when I hear people grabbing about comics, I wonder why. I did a long article about this mm-hmm. some time ago. Came to a slightly different conclusion, mm-hmm. um, just slightly. Um, in relation to some things, uh, it went up at the same rate of inflation. Others, not quite so much. And, right. Uh, a lot of it, though, is how long it takes you now to to peruse the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's certainly a better value than going to the movies for twenty bucks. <laughs> That's for, true for two hours, yeah. where it's you know a three dollar comic. So. Mm-hmm. I agree, mm-hmm. mostly. I think you have to, for me, obviously, economics aside, and, and and there's a lot of merit to those things, obviously. But you look at it in comparison to other media in its ilk, you look at how much it costs to buy, um, and again, it's different because a book is just words, but a paperback book probably can cost, it can cost you like 10 bucks, you know? And for half that price, you're buying a 20-page comic. And there's art in it, and there's mm-hmm. something very special about that that fact. But in just raw dollars and looking at other media, I could buy a movie, which will give me two and a half hours of entertainment as many times as I want for ten dollars in a lot of, in a lot of cases, right. not brand new one necessarily. But sometimes let's say fifteen dollars new at 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 Best Buy mm-hmm. the the week it comes out, you know. So for three times that cost, I, I get much longer entertainment and it's something I can enjoy over and over again. You know, the value of all those things is obviously very up in the air. But from an outsider's perspective, looking at the price, like I know people who go, whoa. Four dollars, you know, it takes me twenty minutes to read this thing, and I, I don't necessarily think that it should be minutes to dollar ratio. You know, the like same thing with video games. 
you know, I would rather get a great four hour video game than a crappy 20 hour video game, you know? <laughs> so it, that, that, that all depends on my experience. But I think that putting it down to hard, you know, economics is a little bit tough just because it exists in a, doesn't exist in a vacuum of numbers. It exists in a world with a lot of other media that competes for your money all the time. Um, so that's my opinion on that. Mm. Sounds good. Anybody else have anything they want to say about that? No, no. I I, I give my money almost blindly it's every true. week. <laughs> you know, that I just I, I I make the pile. I make my my very very few cuts mm-hmm. that I make, and uh, whatever the damage is, the damage is. I will find a way to make up for it. And the fact remains that you know, comics at this stage of my life uh, bring me the most enjoyment out of any. Uh, entertainment medium that I indulge in, so I gladly, gladly give uh, my money for comics. And I have to say, I'm sorry that I've cost you so much money over the last two years. You don't have to apologize, <laughs> dude. It's awesome. Um, You've seen my collection, yeah. It's a monster. Uh, and actually, I lied. One more, real quick. These are just a real oh. quick one. Uh, Jarrell Dampier on Twitter. He was actually sending this out to Stephanie as well as us, but Stephanie is not here. So can you suggest some indie books to look out for? I got into Saga because of you guys and the Todd Comics crew, and it was and it's amazing. So I guess outside of the normal, not, no Saga, no Revival. We'll leave those off the table <laughs> for suggestions of indie books for them to read. Uh, going on right now, there's a really cool series called Snapshot. Yeah, I was going to say. That yeah. if you're uh, Andy Diggle... And uh, Jacques, if you're not, or Jock, if you're not, uh, it's Jock, yeah. it is Jock. Okay, um, yeah. There's only two issues of it out so far. I believe the third one is today. I'm not, I don't. I don't know if it's today. I don't want to. Don't. Yeah. yeah. Don't quote me on that. It probably oh, okay. isn't. Um, but uh, Snapshot has been really cool, and it was actually. I thought it was a shame that Andy Diggle had left Action because of his work on Snapshot. Mm-hmm. I'm well aware that he's done other stuff, but that had got me really interested to hear what uh, or see what he would do with the character. So I am a little upset that he's not going to be doing it. Um, other Morning Glories. Mm-hmm. Morning Glories, uh, as of today, really is uh, going to be rounding up its f- quote unquote first season of events. I guess in the next, um, you know issues to come uh they're going to be trying to catch you up as much as possible to get you prepared for the new stuff that's to Mm -hmm. come uh if you like lost if you like science fiction and time travel and interdimensional travel and just really crazy 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 circumstances and characters is a excellent 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 series cool okay i've spoken about the highways a couple of times yeah Yeah. sci-fi industry and things and I've been loving It Girl in the Atomics, which mm-hmm. is just sort of really strange. Very strange. Superhero. Very, very cool. <laughs> uh, I mean, we spoke about Lock and Key uh, many, many times. A snapshot, absolutely. Uh, Mara, the uh, yeah. Brian Wood series, which I've been really been loving. Um, and uh, I had one in my brain, and it just poof out my ear. Um, uh, but uh, no, I mean, those are all really good suggestions. Uh, I mean, we talked about Fairy Quest a little bit, the mm-hmm. the Humberto Ramos book uh, that he did. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, there's so much stuff out there right now. I mean, the Rocketeer stuff from IDW mm, has, sure. has been really great. Uh, you've got uh, Mark Wade's Green Hornet coming up that's out today, actually, while we're speaking about this. Uh, East of West, the yeah, Jonathan Hickson book, today. comes out today as well. 
so uh those are books definitely to to take a gander at at least um yeah absolutely uh and what what i'd say too is sometimes just got to take a chance you know just a new number one comes out from image or dark horse or idw kind of get the lay of the land if you go to go to a store kind of see what people are saying about what what you're what look at the mm-hmm. art look, read up maybe the first page and pick up an indie book you know instead of maybe another marvel book or another dc book just to give it a chance you know um also uh jump on to uh brian k vaughn's the private eye oh yeah absolutely that just started uh you know pay what you want digital comic uh excellent yeah. really really great start to something that could be really cool and um you can set your own price so yeah yeah um, awesome. these, these people should be checking our site for all the great reviews we they have so should. many correspondents reviewing things now that a lot we of these do. are coming up and coming up day of release too yeah yeah, absolutely. Um, Not to blow her on horn here, no. but I mean, come on. You know. uh, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and it's cool because we have a lot of different voices reviewing these books. You know, and you know, obviously Melissa reviews a lot, a certain brand of indie book usually, like more of the supernatural, scary stuff. But she's so dark. She is very dark. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, the the Five Ghosts book that came out. Uh, Five Ghosts of Fabian Gray. Yeah, she reviewed that on the site. So check out reviews of that stuff um, and, and see if it sounds cool to you. I mean, obviously, there's the Luther Strode uh, yeah, books. Well, yeah, wow. I can't believe I didn't. Uh, well, I do believe it. But <laughs> yeah, um, The Legend of Luther Strode. But do yourself a favor. Um, go back and get the first trade and start it from the beginning. I'm sure you could find it for a good price. Yeah. Um, if you like Carnage and uh arms ripped off and stuffed into mouths and it's <laughs> it sounds horrible it i assure you it is very well written and very very entertaining yeah. oh rachel rising yes which is out uh today as well i have yet to read that i really want to read it it's brilliant stuff so that's definitely a book you should be checking out um uh, and I don't know if you're a digital collector, they have the first two volumes of it on Comixology for pretty cheap. So you can definitely mm-hmm. get almost caught up. I think you're about three issues in out of the, the, the third arc. So. Um, and also check out Monkey Brain. Oh, yeah. For, yeah. Uh, for independent stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, really great prices. Uh, short, but, mm-hmm. you know, there's enough of them now that, you know, you pay a small price that you can you can get a couple of things. Yeah. And we haven't even spoken about this, I don't think. Uh, Comixology Submit, which is... Anybody can submit uh, a, a comic to Comixology now and get it up on their store. They set their price, um, and it, there's a there's a profit split w- w- with them. I mean, Becky Cloonan has a book up there, you know. So there's a lot of cool creators. And Monkey Brain stuff is going to get published by Image. Um, oh, they uh, are. It, yeah, they've worked out a deal, so there's going to be some stuff coming I'm out. On October Girl. Yeah. So uh, I'm not sure exactly what books it is yet, but they'll they'll, they'll be coming. So that's pretty exciting. Um, What's on the shelves right now, though, uh, from Abstract Studios, we have Rachel Rising, number 15. Um, from Archaea Entertainment, we have Hawk and Genesis, hardcover. Um, from Boom Studios, we have Deathmatch, number four. And we have Peanuts, number seven, as well as Ice Age, The Hidden Treasure, one shot. Uh, Dark Horse, we have Angel and Faith, number 20. Uh, we have Answer, number three of four. Uh, we have BPRD Vampire, number one of five, yeah. which Melissa will be reviewing for us. Of course. Of course. Uh, <laughs> uh, Criminal Macabre, Macabre? Macabre. Macabre. Final Night, The 30 Days of Night Crossover, number four of four. Yay. Uh, Dragon Age, Until We Sleep, number one of three. Uh, Husband's Hardcover, which is uh, based on that or inspired by that uh, online television show that Jane Espenson does, who is a Buffy writer, a Battlestar Galactica writer. Oh. Okay. It's, uh, uh, didn't, didn't think it was Cassavetes. No. <laughs> uh, 
um, Massive Number Ten, uh, Mister X Hard Candy One Shot, and Star Wars: Dawn of the Jedi: The Prisoner of Bogan Number Four of Five. <laughs> Stop laughing. Uh, from DC Comics, we have All Star Western Number Eighteen. Uh, we have Aquaman number 18, yeah. Arrow number 5, Batman Incorporated number 9, yeah. Batman the Dark Knight number 18. Um, we have Flash number 18, Fury of Firestorm, The Nuclear Men number 18, I Vampire number 18, Injustice Gods Among Us number 3, Joe Kubert Presents number 6 of 6, Justice League Dark number 18, Red Lanterns number 18, Savage Hawkman number 18. Superman number 18, Superman Family Adventures number 11, um, <laughs> Talon number 6, Teen Titans number 18, uh, Time Warp, which is a Vertigo anthology, much like the one that Ghost that came out a couple of months ago, uh, Unwritten number 47 from DC, uh, from Dynamite, Bionic Man versus the Bionic Woman number 3, Deja Thoris and the Green Men of Mars number 2 of 8, Garth Ennis's Battlefields number 5, Garth Ennis's Red Team number 2. Mark Wade's The Green Hornet, number one. Sherlock Holmes, The Liverpool Demon, number three. Uh, we And we have uh, Warlords of Mars, Deja Thoris, number 23. Um, from IDW, we have uh, oh, the complete Zosser of Zilk for six ninety nine. That series was awesome. Nice. <laughs> it was awesome. Uh, we have Doctor Who, number seven. Uh, we have Judge Dredd, number five. Uh, Love and Capes, What to Expect, Volume 4. Yay. Ah, the trade. The trade with, is now out. Um, always with extras, too. My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. Yes. Number 5. <laughs> I can't believe um, how much I love that comic. Popeye Classics, number 8. Star Trek, number 19. Um, Transformers. More Than Meets the Eye? Nope. Robots in oh. Disguise. Transfusion, number 3 of 3. And Vitriol. Yeah. The Hunter number is, two is Melissa reviewing that too. Yes, she is. Oh, hey, she can't. She she sent me a lovely birthday wish. How dark <laughs> she's pigeonholing she? herself. Uh, from Image Comics, we have um, Clone number five, Dia de las Muertes number two of three. Yes, East of West number one, Yay. Fatal number thirteen. Yay. There's another indie book that we did not mention. Uh, five Weapons number two of five, Hackslash number twenty five. Uh, Legend of Luther Strode, number four. Yeah, yeah. Morning Glory is number 25. Yes. Planetoid, number five. What? <laughs> Savage Skull Kickers, number one. Sweet. Think Tank, number six. Um, and doc- Witch Doctor, Mall Practice, number five of six. Uh, from Marvel Comics, A plus X, number six. Age of Ultron, number three. Yeah. Astonishing yeah. X-Men, number 60. Yeah. Um, Deadpool Illustrated, number three of four. Fantastic Four, number five, AU. Yes. Uh, FF, number five. Yeah. Fury Max, number 10. Gambit, number 10. Guardians (laughs) of the Galaxy, number one. Uh, Journey into Mystery, number 650. Buy it. We've got uh, Morbius Living Vampire, number three. Uh, Powers Bureau, number three. Scarlet Spider, number 15. Superior Spider-Man, number six, AU. Thunderbolts, number seven. Um, <laughs> that's the first Phil Noto, by the way. Uh, Ultimate uh, Comics Wolverine, number two of four. What were you going to say, Bob? Sorry. Nothing. Uh, I say nothing. Uh, Uncanny Avengers, number five. Uncanny X-Force, number three. 
Wolverine the X-Men number 27, X-Men Legacy number 8, and Young Avengers number 3. Yeah. Um, from Oni Press, we have Six Gun, Sixth Gun, Sons of the Gun, number two. <laughs> um, and Bad Machine Volume One, The Case of the Team Spirit. Um, that's, uh, that's a pretty good name. Uh, and uh, from Zenoscope, we have Grim Fairy Tales, number 83, and Grim Fairy Tales Presents Wonderland, number nine. Nine no. times. Nine <laughs> times. <laughs> been absent nine times. <laughs> All right, so that is it for the Talking Comics podcast for this week. Um, if you guys get in touch with us, again, at Talking Comics on Twitter, info at TalkingComicBooks.com is the email address. TalkingComicBooks.com is the website. And, of course, the Facebook page is Facebook.com slash TalkingComics. If you guys love the show, um, if you want to go s- hop over to iTunes and give us a review, it really helps. It helps us with our standings in the iTunes store. And the more attention we get, the more gr- guests we can get and, and stuff like that. Um, if you don't love the show... You don't have to do anything. Uh, <laughs> You're probably not even listening to us saying it's this. True. So. Yeah, it's true. It's uh, true. Uh, my personal Twitter is uh, at Bobby Shortle. Steve's. Mine is at dead underscore anchorus. Bob. Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com for email. And of course, Stephanie is at hello cookie. And she should be back uh, next week. Uh, next week, we also have, or we are supposed to have, uh, Mr. Greg Rucka, Rucka, Rucka. Uh, on the show. So... Um, get your questions for him uh, to any of those places that, that I mentioned. I want to say a big thank you to all of our contributors who uh, last week, I think last Wednesday, we had the biggest day we've ever had on the site traffic-wise. I've nice. uh, been kicking ass with the amount of reviews going up there. Um, and and it's just, it, it it's great to see the website uh, chucking along like that. I want to uh, welcome our new contributor, uh, M Morse, uh, at M underscore Morse on Twitter. Um, he's a new member to our news team. Um, him and Travis McCollum and Jacob Bryant are a dedicated news team, and they're going to be bringing you guys, uh, you know, up to date, uh, breaking news, and you know, giving you guys something that you can't get uh, on other sites. So uh, we're really excited about that. And you know, I, 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 not, I don't want to forget anybody, but Mara and Joey and Tali and Adam and Sean and. Who am, I, who am I forgetting? Uh, I know I'm forgetting somebody. Um, to everybody who writes <laughs> for the site. I'm making you suffer. I don't want to say some names. Yeah, I, I, I cannot remember everyone's name. Everybody. You guys, you guys have been doing such a great job. Yeah. And, you know, we appreciate it. Our fans appreciate it. Mm. Uh, really, really great work all around. Yeah. And so, I mean, all our listeners, too. I mean, the amount of feedback we've been getting on the site, on the Facebook page, on the, on the Twitter account emails, everything has, has been overwhelming. We can't even get through all that, and we're recording two and a half hour long shows. So uh, thank you guys so much because it, it makes it so much more exciting to hear get your guys' input and, and hear what you guys think about, about what is going on. Um, so, yeah, thank you guys. And uh, for Steve. Canones. Bob. Thank you very much, everybody, for happy birthday. I appreciate and, it. <laughs> and I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued. Thank you.